Creep show, creep show. Pop that crate and let that beast eat your butt whole. Man, is that uh, Tom Atkins in there? Nah, he ain't got no mustache. He sure is shit beating the fuck out of Stephen King's kid. He's a creep, I'd beat him too. That's why God made fathers, babe. That's why God made fathers. Here comes the spooky! Hey, motherfuckers, I'd like you to meet my buddy, the professor of the Department of Meteors. What's going on, chuds and chudettes? Here comes the Spookies back with episode 40. This time we're going to find out what George Romero, Tom Atkins, and Stephen King all have in common when they open up a crate full of fluffy dogs. So sit back, relax, tie that fucking buddy to a chair, and make him listen to your second favorite podcast. episode 40 <laughs> what's going on everybody i am your host cincinnati jeff and with me always is nachos of we are the dukes of spook here comes the spooky podcast nachos how are you doing tonight buddy how are you doing on this uh birthday episode we were supposed to do a week ago yes that is correct yes so tonight we are doing creep show um this is my birthday episode so uh our birthdays coincide inside these seasons of when we record the podcast and during said birthdays each host here gets to pick their movie for the year that they want to do. That's right. This year I went with Creep Show, uh, but we got a little too hammered on my birthday weekend. It'll happen. And then the following weekend, I uh, got all fucked up with like the flu and all kinds of really fun jazz. So that kind of put a damper in it too. So here we are now, uh, about two weeks out. But hey, we're getting to it. Yeah, motherfuckers, <clears throat> calm down. We say we do it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're getting to it, and here we are. What are you uh, what are you drinking over there? Uh so this is this is a park lager. I'm not gonna lie, I picked it up from the fridge. I thought it said Park Ranger. Oh, oh. And I was like, oh, it's like one of the Ranger beers. That's cool. It's not, it's Park Lager, and uh it's all right. It's all right. I've only gotten a few in. Right. Oh, Tower Grove Park. We're up the STL, Nelly style. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Just kidding, we don't have that button. <laughs> Where's my EI button? EI boys. Where's my EI boys? <laughs> And I have a course banquet because... Oh, what are you drinking? I have a course banquet. I was under the uh, idea that uh, <clears throat> there was a witty riddle under each cap, but that's Mickey's. Yeah, that's the piss grenaders, man. That's and not that's I'm, not Coors. And I'm fucking dumb. Yeah. What else is new? Coors is not that fun. No. Uh, so before we get to the episode, of course, we've got uh, you know a few talking points here. Some news. News and stuff. So, not going to lie, uh, in the past couple of weeks, there wasn't much to find mm. as far as news goes. Uh, so, it's not that I've gotten you know, anything terrible here, but uh, first up was we are now in the 40th anniversary, uh, 40 years from a few days ago. It's the anniversary of The Howling. Fuck yeah, dude. I love that movie. I just watched that shit the other day. Yeah, and you were you were flat on, like maybe thinking you might have a birthday episode in mind because you were watching. What were you watching? <laughs> okay, so I watched The Howling 2, Your Sister's a Werewolf, because real talk, when was the last time? Sure, that's the button you want to use for that? <laughs> I like that no, movie, dude. No, I'm just kidding. So, uh, dude, I haven't seen the second one in forever. I remember watching off of USA, like, up all night, 900 years ago, and uh, it kind of fucking sucks some uh, lycanthrope cock. <clears throat> but I rewatched it again. It is a fucking trasher piece. It's, it's fun. Pretty it's pretty fun. It's, it's bad, but it's fun bad. I just don't get how you get from The Howling, a fucking phenomenal film, to... 
The Howling 2, Your Sister's a Werewolf. I just love that title. Yeah, I mean, fuck, can you think of like a, what, what do you call that? Not a, a sub, hit a poo. I can't fucking make the words. Gus, don't be the Howling 2, Your I Sister's mean, real a Werewolf. Talk, that was a big resurgent for us because, you know, Sykes a pretty fun show and the fact they fucking said that. Uh, anyway, the Howling is fucking remarkable. That's one of my favorite werewolf films of all time. And I will fist fight you and cheat. <clears throat> <laughs> if you say otherwise, because it's fucking great. I'm not a strong man. I just like to stab people. Uh, so also, um, you know, I like to announce if there's any like super fancy kind of fun Blu-rays coming out. No big sets, but George Romero's Martin, the it's the vampire movie. I know you've never seen this, not yet, but I know it's on your list. Uh, it's getting like a new 4K Blu-ray release, uh, I believe from Scream Factory. So you're gonna get all the trimmings there. So that's always fun. It's a fantastic fucking movie. It's kind of about this like guy who comes back and he might be fucked up from like being in Nam, and he's also like that never maybe happened a vampire, to anybody uh, living in like the suburbs of his old town with his parents it's pretty good and it's romero so you know you Wait, can't go so wrong. i was a teenage vampire <laughs> kind of shit like that uh and then last on my list here is uh mortal combat is a big topic on this show That's we love mortal combat i haven't seen it yet and i'm, I'm, I'm gonna up. go spoiler free here but it came out uh hit uh, last friday on uh, theaters and hbo max so uh, you can definitely check 20, it out 23rd yeah uh yeah okay so, I mean, I tell anybody, hey, if you were even remotely a fan of the game or liked the first movie. Or like watching ninjas punch each other. Right? Fucking watch this movie. Like, it's so crazy because I see these reviews and again, I'm not going to give anything out. But it's like, uh, not like the greatest action movie. Uh, not super plot heavy. It's like, motherfucker, it's Mortal Kombat. What do you need to know? Yeah. Did you see either of the last two movies? Were those per se plot heavy in parentheses and everyone's like you know my social circle i see it on facebook we're like it's you know the first two were kind of crap so i mean this is what it has to come up against i'm like whoa 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 whoa. the first one's fucking f-u-n dude with a capital fucking f you can you can turn your brain off and watch the first one the second one that's dog shit but it's it's hard to watch hard to watch it's mother you're alive and you Oh, dead That's or something like fucking that. Fucking Sindel's just crazy whipping her fucking hair around and shit, and whipped her hair back and forth. You Everybody's fucking CG. Fucking Project Metal Beast DNA Overload. <laughs> colon DNA Overload. Lichen colon. Uh, does this movie have any fucking microwave dogs? I don't want to leave Doctor Benny Graves out if it did. Better call him. No, I'll just. We took some heat from uh, yeah. <laughs> finish up our lenses. Fucking Doctor Benny Graves from the Sailor Satan podcast hit us up. He's like, "You boys did a fucking movie with microwave dogs and didn't call me." That was a pretty good <laughs> Benny Graves, man. I love that man. He's a good guy. We got to get him fucking back on the show. I fucking love that dude. Yeah, yeah. If COVID ever <laughs> ends and people aren't fucking dumb, maybe our uh, paths might cross. That'd be cool. Or uh, not nap them. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any any fucking little tidbits you wanted to drop? Yeah, actually, uh, so today is May 26th, a.k.a. Uh, happy LV426 day for you fucking xenomorphers out yeah. there. That's kind of a big deal because the game is far from over, man, because uh, dude, there's a day to celebrate fucking uh, aliens. Resurrection, everyone's favorite. <laughs> I don't hate that movie. I am not the man whom to fuck with. Is that the line? <laughs> fucking Simeon uh, Sasquatch's <laughs> little brother Ron Perlman fucking says. You got fucking Brad Dorf in there, dude. 
playing extra creepy, extra good, and then you get a little b-ball scene where fucking Sigourney Weaves is palm balling, and I don't know about that fucking movie. You also have uh, fucking uh, what's her nuts, uh, Lydia Dietz. Yeah, Winona Rainer. <laughs> you know, fucking call girl or whatever the shit, and the sheriff. Of Nottingham from fucking... Uh, I was going to say Top Dollar, but is that the same dude? Yeah. Okay. But you feel like yeah. a little Zeno... A little, a little face hugger on a big fucking hook. I bet your I do love, alien's proud. I do love fucking uh, the X-Man in the wheelchair there. With, he's got the fucking, like, like the parts come off his fucking yeah. wheelchair. It's a fucking shotgun. Uh, That's pretty fucking fun. And Ron Perlman fucking keeps a goddamn gun inside his fucking... Oh, like, his thermos. The thermos, the soup thermos. Also, I totally forgot fucking Tuco from Breaking Bad is in there. <laughs> and, like, I don't know if you watch Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. But uh, that's one of the scariest characters in fucking anything. And he just plays this fucking burnout dipshit dip hippie. He's like, oh, yeah, man, aliens and shit. I'm just like, dude, I see you drop an engine block on a dude. So I got to run. Scary. I got to run through it again soon just because uh, they're doing the, the last season of Better Call Saul. And I love that show, too. You know, I totally fucking, I watched the first couple episodes. They had Mike, uh, Herman Trout. Yes, thank you. Rolls right off the tongue. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, dude, yeah, I don't know. That, that shit's good. I gotta give it, I gotta give it another whirl. I don't think, uh, spoiler alert. Walter White didn't die. No. He just, he, no. He, no. No. No, you will die. I just think he, uh, he bled a lot. You know, I've seen dumber shit. I've yeah. seen motherfuckers come back from uh, the grave. Like after taking a fucking axe to their face and then fucking being hung. Yeah. Or fucking Madman Mars. <laughs> I'm all right with that. I watched that shit the other day, too. We should do that real fucking Oh, thing. I fucking, I just ordered it from fucking Vinegar Syndrome. Are you shitting me? <clears throat> they were having a sale, dude. Arrow had a sale fucking the week before. Fucking Vinegar Syndrome just Mad had a sale. Madman Mars. He didn't mean it, Mars. Oh my god. He's just kidding, Mars. And please give me one of those prohibited beers I saw you smuggle in the bottom I think of my the fridge. I mean we're gonna do it on the show, but I wanna fucking say it. my favorite part of that fucking movie is the fucking axe excalibur. It's right. like it's been fucking rusted and stuck in this fucking stump for fucking sixty years. Nobody can pick it up in fucking Mars. It's just like yoink. Oh, this is why I lived it, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'll say it and I'll say it again. God damn, I love being a turtle. No, uh, <laughs> that's for I the love Atomic. turtles. I like turtles. That's for the Atomic Scarecrow. But uh, everybody in that fucking movie looks like some Doctor Who poodle hybrid. It is an uh, ugly cast. And that one chick that looks like a fucking cute little velociraptor. But one of these, one of the cast from here is in that movie. Oh, yep. Yep, 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 yep. <clears throat> All right, so uh, before we get... It's Paul uh, Giamatti, right? To... <laughs> We get to the, of course, the movie. Uh, we gotta say, hey, when, where was the first time you saw this movie? Fucking nachos. Oh, buddy, uh, creep show. Real talk, uh, dude. I think my mom showed me this shit when I was like a kid. Because I mean, there's nothing We're have super similar racy. stories here. So my mom is a fucking OG Stephen King fan, or Richard Bachman, or whatever, or Billy Ray Cyrus, or you know, <laughs> fucking Miley, whatever. Anyway, hey Cincinnati Jeff, how about you, Pam? Uh, exact same thing, man. So when did my mom show you this movie? <laughs> <That's what's... laughs> my stepdad showed this to me. I was probably eight, maybe. Eight um, and I just, you know, it's. It, it's just it's one of those things where like if my parents saw a horror movie and they thought it was a good movie, yeah, kids could fucking watch it. Like if they story. fucking yeah, 
right? If they saw something that was fucking horrible and they were just like, this is schlocky shit, no, you can't watch it. So it was never about the gore or the boobs or anything like that. It was just like, oh, yeah, this is a good movie. It's a great movie. So this was one of them. And they were like, yeah, sure, watch it. Okay, it was a little too young for it, but not much. Well, I mean, like, I was a kid watching Tales from the Crypt and shit, so obviously this is a little more tame in comparison. A little bit. Same here. A little bit. Um, So this is not a video nasty. This is not on our Hello Nasty list. But Uh, it is on our Tom Atkins diet. Yeah, it is. And we're going to get back to the fucking uh, video nasty yeah, list at some point. When they start making them good, I'll start watching them again. <laughs> Debatable. Uh, of course, written by Stephen King himself and directed by the great, late, great George A. Romero of the Night of the Living Dead franchise. Martin, as we talked about. And Knight Riders. The Dark Half, Knight Riders. Two Evil Eyes. That movie's <clears throat> dope as fuck. I put Martin down here twice for some reason. That's cool. Good me. Well, it's the uh, remake they did with Martin Lawrence. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, that's right. This one's supposed to be Martin. Obviously, the vampire. Yes. And this one's yeah, Martin! Martin! How y'all doing? <laughs> Damn, Gina. <laughs> you know, he used to carry a gun around on set. Yeah, I believe it. That's crazy. I believe it. All right. Yeah, what else you got, buddy? Uh, so that's it. Now it's time to meet our casualties. It's time to meet our casualties! Oh my god, he's killing me! He's killing me! You mean he's talk? killing Yo, me! Shut the fuck up with the xylophone, please! <laughs> so there's a lot of fucking people here. Um, oh, I, sorry, I jumped at... I'm gonna not name everyone in this fucking movie because it's an ensemble. I'm gonna go over like the big names here. So, when we get to it. This is the part where we drink the beer. Stop talking during the fucking xylophone. The lady singing the fucking song. <laughs> so, man, last two episodes I've missed my cue on that. That is my fault. So, um, like I said, there is a massive fucking cast list here. So I just kind of like cherry picked the big ones. And even with that, I got a fucking pretty hefty list of names here. First up, of course, is motherfucking steal your girl Tom Atkins. Sans mustache. Thank you, Aaron, from the Horror Horror Podcast. That's how I'm going to yeah, refer to Tom Atkins yeah, from now on. We'll hang on to that for you for a little uh, while. He plays Stan Hopkins. Of course, Tom Atkins has been featured on this show several times. Halloween 3, the My Bloody Valentine remake, uh, eventually Night of the Creeps. Yeah, we're kind of slacking on that. Yeah, whatever. We can't do all the bangers right off the bat. Right, right. You got to throw in some shit there. Not saying that Halloween 3 is not, in fact, a banger. Although, oh. I want to say in this season, we've kind of only really done, like, Whatever the fuck we want. Movies, and that was like anthropophagophagy of this and absurd. Well, yeah, I mean, that's video nasties too for sucking. Yeah. Hands. That's uh, right. Yeah. Uh, that one, yeah. After you fucking watch babies get eaten, you're like, I don't really know if I want to touch this list for the rest of the year. Yeah. Yeah. My boner does, though. <laughs> what? Uh, then, of course, we've got Joe King, uh, who plays Billy Hopkins, Stan's son, Tom Atkins' son. He's, he's, He's Stephen King's kid. You see that motherfucker now? He looks like Stephen King from this movie. Uh, minus the chiclets teeth. And I don't think, surprisingly, he does not have fetal alcohol syndrome. Uh, we've got uh, special effects artists. He also did the special effects for this movie. Tom Savini he plays the garbage man. That's right. Ed Harris plays Hank. Um, you know, Ed Harris from fucking The Rock. Yeah, Knight Rider. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Apollo 69, dude. 
I don't have a Apollo. 13 of course, joke Stephen King uh, is in this one as a pretty heavily featured character, Jordy Verrill. Oh, fucking killing it, dude. Yeah, he's really good in this. Very fun. Your notes better not suck on that. Uh, the fucking Zaddy Leslie Nielsen That's right. plays and Richard Vickers fart, and his fart machine. Dude, I fucking love those fucking Naked Gun movies. Did you think Leslie Nielsen was like, once he hit like the mid-30s, he's just perpetually looked 60? That's what I was saying earlier today, man. I think I think when fucking <laughs> Zaddy Nielsen, legit, he <laughs> turned 45 and stayed 45 until he was 85 and then just straight up died. <laughs> Rip. Yep. Big swigs. Big swigs. Clink, clank. <sighs> We've got Galen Ross. Who plays Becky Vickers. That's right. Now, she was Francine in Dawn of the Dead. She was also in Madman. That's right. Um, there's a cameo. And uh, she's in Turtles in Time. Uh, credited as Man on TV, played by Richard Gere. Uh, before, of course, we've got Ted Danson, who plays Harry Wentworth. Ah, yes. Old blackface Ted Danson. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg's old pin cushion. Because, you know... See Thomas Howe. His name's a sentence. <laughs> oh, man. That was good shit. <laughs> Chris Samples was cracking me that up. That fucking dude. champion, man. That was good shit. Um, oh, then we've got uh, Hal Holbrook, who plays Henry Northrup. Now, he was in The Fog. Hell yeah, dude. The Unholy. And That's... in Fletch Lives. So, that was uh, two times a priest. I was assuming he was a priest in The Unholy. Mm-hmm. He's got that kid-looking touch thing uh, going on. Adrian Barbeau, who plays Wilma Billy Northrup. And her fucking spectaculous double D titties. Beebs. Dude, I love her in Escape from New York. She gets better with age, man. Yeah. She looks pretty great right now. And she's been hanging on to it, and I appreciate it. Not sure what John Comforter was giving up for that. Oh, she's actually a succubus, and... Siphon the years out of him because when he turned 30, he looked like he was 70. <laughs> Fucking knock on wood. I don't want to wake up to that tomorrow. Yeah. Let's be careful. I mean, with morning, these jokes. morning wood. That's what I'm. <laughs> be careful with these jokes, all right? Uh, yeah. You kill somebody tonight and fucking the show's over. Yeah. Uh, then uh, last two here, we've got E.G. Marshall, who plays Upson Pratt. Now, he was the president of the United States in Superman 2. He was also one of the grandpas in Christmas Vacation. He was in Two Evil Eyes. Are you fucking kidding me? He's not the old crispy dude or little. He's uh, uh, he's um, fucking uh, what's her nuts dad? Beverly D'Angelo. Yes, yes, her so, dad. So not the she couldn't hear a garbage truck drive through a nitroglycerin plant. Not that guy, but the <laughs> no. other one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he was in Tommy Knockers. So a lot of lot of like repeats here on some Stephen King stuff. Well, same with Romero. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, with two evil eyes. Uh, and then last uh, is Ned Beatty, who plays the voice of Bob Bean in the last segment. Oh, the guy that gets butt-fucked by cockroaches. And he was also, of course, you know, he played uh, um, um, Gene Hackman's sidekick in Superman. That dude is like a bumbling twat. Yeah, he was in the first Captain America movie in the 90s. He played the president's buddy. He gets fucked in the ass by Red Skull. <laughs> sure. Okay, sure. it's a deleted scene. <clears throat> Uh, and then this movie was released May 1982, which was a pretty fucking banger year for actually a lot of horror movies. Not all of them are bangers, though. We've got The Thing. Hell yeah. Halloween 3, so double feature for Tom Atkins in that year. Hell to the motherfuck yeah. Ha, Friday the 13th, part 3. Ever heard of it? I'll take it. Poltergeist. Slumber Party Massacre. Okay. The New York Ripper. Ho, <laughs> <laughs> Cat People. Parasite. 
That's fucked up. It's supposed to be three D, but shoot. Basket case. My brother looks like a squashed octopus. <laughs> we gotta do that too. What man. do you keep in there? My brother. Movie's fucked. Pieces. It's exactly what you think it is. Amityville two. There's a lot of cousin fucking or sibling fucking going <laughs> yeah. on in that. And the house on Sorority Row. I don't really remember that one, but whatever. So how to watch uh, VHS, and you can watch this on a CED video disc. Do you have it? I don't have this. I do have CED video discs hanging on the wall. So basically what they look like is giant fucking three-and-a-half-inch floppy discs that you have to stick into the specific machine. And if you crack it open, what's inside is actually a vinyl record that the video goes on. And since it's vinyl, vinyl wears out after so many plays. So you can basically watch this movie like a finite number of times, up to probably about a hundred times. Oh, yeah, so it's you, a it's a unique, uh, like you know, piece of technology for sure. But definitely, you know, wasn't the best. The laser disc, obviously. Uh, well, we learned it. from our mistakes, Cincinnati Jeff. Uh, there is a a couple of DVD releases with no special features other than the trailer. Do we have a DVDA release? I don't believe so. Do we? Goats? <laughs> okay. Uh, then, of course, a Bare Bones... Bare Bones. Bare Bones. Bare Bones Blu-ray release from Warner Brothers with the same fucking crappy trailer. And then the super deluxe version from Scream Factory with all the special features a little girl could want, including a fancy-ass slip box and a making-of book, which, I gotta be honest, I love the fucking making-of book, and it's got little fucking pictures in there. Missed opportunity to fucking make Should've it look like... Should have been the fucking comic, Thank dude. Thank you. Also, uh... Why the fuck doesn't this movie come with just desserts, you know? Yeah. Which I... Uh, uh. That was a Scream Factory release as well, wasn't it? I think so, but Because it's just the making of creep show, and it's only the first one, right? There's no making yeah. of... Yeah, well, because nobody get, really two. gives a fuck about how part two got made. Oh, the I first do. one made a lot of money, so let's do it again. I do. I like two. Uh. Two's fun. You all right? You okay? Before we get into this, eh? Eh? Uh, eh? No, eh? not yet. Okay. Not yet. Not yet. Um, so we're going to do things a little bit different here on the show. Uh, so we're going to, obviously, since this we're is We're going to wear pants this episode. <laughs> <laughs> since this is an anthology horror movie, we're going to kind of split up the, uh, you know, the work here. I didn't feel like doing all the fucking work on my birthday. I didn't either on your <laughs> birthday. <laughs> I still did more than you, you fucking piece of shit. How many pages do you have, hot dog? Uh, I have five. Well, how many did I copy off of? Well, if you can count that high, you have eight. Is that seven, ten, three? Yeah, okay, that's cool. <laughs> and then you carry this bitch right here. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and get started. Yeah, you better. Uh, the prologue, our movie, starts with a, fam a familiar handsome voice yelling at his kid about bringing some crap into his fucking house. Billy's father, Stan, is berating him for reading horror comics and tells him that he is the one who puts the bread on the fucking table in this house so Billy will follow the rules to the letter or else risk a beating with a Hot Wheels track. Motherfucker! Billy claps back that they are better than the sex books that Stan reads. You know, the ones that he keeps in his underwear drawer. Oh, those sex books? So not only is fucking Stan pissed about the fucking comics, but fucking Billy's a snoop too. Fucking snoop. But since Billy's has a smart ass mouth, Stan shows him what the five fingers stay to the face as Billy's mom watches and doesn't do much about it. Yeah. 
Uh, with Stan now knocking some sense into Billy, he apologizes and attempts to be polite, but Stan tells him it's fucking too late, get your ass to bed, as Billy's mom breaks the mood by saying that there's a storm coming and they need to close the windows downstairs in the house. And you tell him hell's coming with... <laughs> or, wait, no, I said it backwards. <laughs> Damn it! Stan says he will, he will take care of it since he has some garbage to take out anyway. Was it garbage day? Garbage day! Actually, it is garbage day. Look is at it, the big brain it, on brand. Is it really? Do we, do we got to take some bags out? <laughs> um. So, uh, so Stan heads outside, and we see him toss a creep show comic into the garbage before heading back inside a for a beer. Mom says Stan might have been a little too hard on Billy, but Stan disagrees, sipping on a beer, saying, "Did you see that crap?" All that horror crap, people coming out of crates, dead people coming back to life, people turning into weeds for Christ's sake. While mom tries to lightly protest, but Stan just sips on his beer and says, that's why God made fathers, babe. That's why God made fathers. Meanwhile, Billy is upstairs hoping that his father rots in hell. I hope he rots in hell. Damn, Billy. Your mother so socks in hell, Stan. Grandma so socks in hell. But, like, the money goes to an orphanage, so it's okay. <laughs> so as this is going on, we see the creep. Yay! The titular creep. Basically, he's the vault keeper, right, from the Vault of Horror. Or... I like how you're tap dancing around Crypt Keeper. <laughs> I mean, but... I wasn't sure, you know, they're written off EC Comics here. I'm trying to no, be polite. No, you know what? This They actually piggyback off each other pretty hard because this is obviously a love letter to the EC Comics. Yeah, so this is... He's... It, it, Tales from the Crypt, the fucking show's like, hey, uh, we'll just pick it up. And where we left off. Yeah. And it's basically what it is, right? So this is the creep. So you've got you've got the vault caretaker. You've got the crypt keeper. There was... Uh, I forget the uh, witch there one. There was... Uh, it, she was the girl one. I can't remember her name. Well, there. okay, so there. it was like the vault of... Ta- the vault of horror. horror. The crypt keeper from Tales, Tales from the, the crypt. crypt. And then, like, the uh, witch was something of fear or guilt. And then they had some stack like Elvira chick later on, but that's neither here nor there. And I it's used in to, betwixt them titties. I used to buy these at Dizzy Dugout they and them. Fantasy, like in Collinsville. For I mean, they were so cheap too. Well, you just dated your age right there when you said Fantasy in Collinsville, buddy. Yeah, dude. We we lived in a town that had fucking two comic book Not stores, a one, but a two, literally a block from each other. Uh, dude, yeah, because they reissued those when they were doing the shows because I was buying them up. Yeah, and they were like a buck a piece, or they, they were cheap, dude. I was buying them for my dad with his own money, so that's okay because, you know. <laughs> yeah, because there was bitch, a... what am I fucking wearing? Right, There yeah. we go. Where, Crime suspense stories. Uh, so this is the reason there's the comic code. Well, one of them. Anyway, hey, a story for a different time. Yep. That's a uh, Patreon talk right there, buddy. Right? <laughs> but yeah, man, like I, there's like a lull in my like X Factor X Force collection from because I fucking stopped those buying them. Damn horror magazines. Just to fucking buy the fucking horror comics. I read those fucking things so many times, dude. I have a stack of them, but like their fucking covers are falling off. Pages. Well, before are we out. jump into this real quick, I want to say one thing. So. Daddy Atkins was totally okay with, like, Rodan and all the fucking right? Living Dead posters. Fucking there's the Hulk up there and a fucking Godzilla and shit. Right, right. But that's, you draw the line when he's reading the books. I, I like how that. he's like, now you're a fucking snoop, too. And he's like, Dad, you told me to go into your drawer on Sunday to get your socks before church, remember? It's like, no, I'm still hung uh, hung over from Saturday. <laughs> my socks are, the, the socks I'm going to wear to church are still on my fucking feet. I only have one fucking pair and I never take them off. <laughs> they're full, so, they're back fully, to the, 
movie. Go ahead. Sorry. The creep is floating outside Billy's window as the movie fucking gets awesome because it turns, not that it's not awesome, but it gets even more awesome, awesomer. Yes. And turns animated as we dive into the comic inside the trash can and the title credits roll. All right. Now, Nachos, you're up. All right. So the first segment is called Father's Day. Am I good? Am I all close? Oh, you're great, baby. Oh, yeah. So our story starts... (coughs) That's a great start. So our story starts with some rich-ass, white, hoity-toity, blue-blood motherfuckers up in their mansions talking about how cool it would be to eradicate the working class and decrease minimum wage while we wait for the Latino maid to bring them their daily dose of adrenochrome... So they didn't end up looking like Prince Philip's ancient gargoyle ass. Rest in piss, you old racist teabag. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we meet, you know, I'm going to take a drink real quick. We meet the super wealthy family, the Granthams, Richard, Cass, Sylvia, who I'm I'm guessing is their aunt. Um, I'm not sure if it's the, I actually, I think it's the mom because Adelia, Adelia is the aunt. All right, and Hank, Cass's new hub, hubby. Right, he's like like the working class guy. Is he? He's Ed Harris. I mean, so because like they're talking about like fucking having old money and shit like that, and the brother, right. the the brother's the fucking asshole. This Closeted entire fucker. Yeah, this fucking guy. Hey, gay, straight, I don't give a shit. You're a motherfucker. All right, not to get all 23 in me on your ass. It's just good to know who's related to who. <laughs> As they sit around having a few dozen cocktails and smoke a few cartons of cigarettes while they wait for great Aunt Bedelia to arrive so they can kick off the 7th annual Father's Day shindig without Daddy. Aunt Bedelia rolls up, rolls up like a straight-up G with her swisher, <laughs> swisher sweet wood tip and a bottle of Jim Beam as the family regales the tale about that one time, Auntie B totally murdered her dad for killing her boo thing. <laughs> All right. The story goes that great aunt Bedelia, who's fucking bonkers, had to watch over her father, Nathan Grantham, Grant Grantham, after oh, after he had a debilitating stroke at the age of eighty-four. Old Papa Nate Dog made his family riches by dealing with some real shady shit like bootlegging. Fraud, extortion, it's pretty much blackmail, but the X makes it sound cool. (laughs) And good old murder for Heil. Sounds like a real stand-up guy. Well, except not really, because the stroke left him wheelchair-bound. I do like murder for Haya. Murder for Haya? Left him wheelchair-bound. Guess he slipped on one of those Donkey Kong banana peels. (laughs) (laughs) He's Professor X. He's Professor's racist old uncle. Dude. Yeah, shitty-ass Professor X. So Bedelia meets a gentleman suitor by the name of Yarbo, and the two are to be wed until Yarbo gets his fucking head blown off in a freak hunting accident. Now, nobody's saying that... Freak hunting accident. Right, right, yes. I Oh, I have freaking parentheses. <laughs> um, now, nobody's saying that Nate Dog had anything to do with it, but Daddy Nate had totally had everything to do with it because <laughs> oh, that old crusty piece of shit can't stand seeing anybody happy especially bedelia because word on the street was that nate daddy used to drop his d into bedelia's b-hole all jeffrey epstein style but unlike jeffrey epstein who totally killed himself bedelia took a marble ashtray and bashed his fucking skull in while preparing him his father's day's cake many years ago <clears throat> 
I love this fucking scene because he's just like, Bedelia, you bitch. I kind of jump around on my nose. Where's my cake? With that clacker. And I got to fucking tell you, dude, he is one horrifying fucking annoying piece of shit that old mummy fart can suck a bag of dicks i love this movie and every time that fucking scene's on i'm like i fucking can't wait for him to fucking get hit with this fucking ashtray to end this fucking cackle none of the current grantham's uh relatives seem to be uh beat up about the patricide because that just means more money for them hank seems to be a little perturbed though (sighs) he's just kind of like what the fuck did i get into (sighs) I gotta fucking, I gotta stop checking these boxes on my fucking Tinder account. Right, like... uh, Okay with murder. Rich. Uncheck it. White. Kinda hot. White pants go all the way up the butt crack. Kind of a hog. Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, Great at dancing. Check. mm, Debatable. Uh, Annie B stumbles her drunk ass to the grave and decides, uh, uh, oh, of her deceased daddy as she's haunted by the clacking of that old mummy farts cane as he is screaming about his motherfucking cake. Where's my cake? Dude, Daddy Need has no fucking chill. It's like, Bedelia, you fucking you bitch. Bitch. We cut to a flashback of the fateful evening where Bedelia is preparing Daddy's, uh, preparing Daddy his cake. <laughs> oh, and the dude is fucking, uh, sorry, I forgot how I uh, to read my own handwriting. Uh, dude is fucking losing it. She's about to lose her shit, too, because all this you steady. You typed it. I know. This was like a week ago. Because she is fucking bukkake and frosting <laughs> all over that fucking Oh, cake. my God, dude. <laughs> it's you, a mess. Did you catch that little side eye? The fucking gonna... uh, Miss Danvers giving yeah. it? just like, oh, it'd be a shame if uh, he died tonight. <laughs> it'd be a fucking shame if I got blamed for that fucking cake. It's... You either hit him or I'm going to hit you. Pretty Somebody's much. getting hit tonight. So instead of a tasty treat, she comes out and bashes dad with the Easter egg. I don't know if you have it in your notes. I got it. All right, well played. Uh, yeah, fucking bashes his head in. All right, so in current time, she plops down next to the grave and berates his tombstone, but not before we get some old lady upskirt. Dead serious. <laughs> kind of wish I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, she confesses that Sylvia uh, helped smooth over the whole murder thing by telling everybody he took a bad spill onto an ashtray. and uh, <laughs> Onto some bullets. And then <laughs> fell down an elevator shaft onto some fucking bullets. Um, and that the Grand uh, Grandhams are bastards by nature because the apple didn't fart, uh, fall too far from the tree. As she spills her guts, she spills her Jim Beam bottle, and somehow that brings Daddy Nate or Nate Daddy back from the grave. I gotta give it to Jim Beam and Jack Daniels uh, by proxy for fucking keeping the fucking standard traditional fucking bottle looking that way. Yeah, forever, dude. And so you know uh, they chose, but they Jim- broke. Jim Beam because that's a nice little homage to John Carpenter because I guess he was a big Jim Beam fan. All right, but anyway, uh, yeah, Daddy Nate Dog springs back from the grave and chokes Bedelia, uh, Bedelia to death as he keeps going on about his goddamn cake. Death number one, Great Aunt Bedelia. Harder, Zaddy Nate Dog. <laughs> okay, so instead of a stupid pun, I have some straight-up knowledge for your ass. All right, hit me. All right, so I feel that the resurrection of Nathan Grantham is homage to an old Irish ballad called Finnegan's Wake. There's this old hoochhound named Finnegan, and at his funeral, some jabroni spilled a cocktail on his coffin that brings his ass back from the dead to keep drinking. Also, whiskey and Gaelic 
pretty much transfers over to the water of life. So you'll learn something today. Wow, I didn't want to. <laughs> well, it happened. Wow, that's really cool. I fucking tell you why they fucking call a toast a toast and you fucking dance all over my dick, but you're like, hey, here's some fucking knowledge. Fuck you, dude. Go on. It's because I didn't drop any fucking uh, Irish knowledge on your ass for uh, Leprechaun. <clears throat> the grandfather clock chimes at seven, and we are graced with some of the finest 80s honky dancing where Ed Harris and his wife jackass around like two methed out peacocks. Well, I like how he fucking stares at the camera and like fucking puts his hands up like, what? ole, uh, and then fucking like then moves into like this interpretive dance. What what do you like better, this dance or the Friday 4 dance? This is a contender for Jesse from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, <laughs> fucking Crispin Glover from Friday the 13th Part 4, Violet from Friday the 13th Part 5. I think this can this can join the ranks. But I'm not really sure. Let me just burn through this real quick. While Aunt Sylvia screams at them to turn the music off like a fucking OG Karen. Uh, they all kind of realize they can't eat ham until Bedelia shows up. So Ed Harris goes out for uh, a smoke to check on her. Well, fucking uh, Madam D comes in. She's like, should I glaze the ham now? And she's like, no, we'll wait longer. Also, I, I kind of want Sometimes Bedelia gets lost in time. Or she's a drunk old bitch. <laughs> drunk old white bitch. Also, I love how, like, Ed Harris is just striking matches on everything. <laughs> so, good for you. Good for you, Ed Harris. He wanders out to the graveyard until he finds... Nathan's grave. Oh, ha! Huh. The secret catalyst of this short. A bottle of Jim Beam, and he goes to take a pull off it, but instead falls backward into an unearthed grave. Just then, the tombstone starts to slide he slowly moves to get out of the graves when Bedelia's dead-ass body rolls over on him. At the foot of the grave, we said, we see dead Nate Daddy using the Force to pull the tombstone, smashing him. Yeah, what the fuck's up with that? Dude, it's the Force. It's I mean... Zombie power. Sure, yeah. Cake power. Oh, my God. What if it's, like, one dark night and he actually was, like, a psychic magician or something? Can you help me get this vacuum to fuck this cake? Yeah, get a couple drinks with me, man. All right, death number two, Ed Harris, or whatever the fuck his name was. Houston, we have a drinking problem. <laughs> also, did you catch... His name was Hank. Hank, yeah, Hank. I have it in the fucking notes. Ah, fuck it, whatever. Well, you can't read your own typing, apparently. Yeah, it's in Swahili, dude. Uh, <laughs> I typed in wingdings. It's in, it's in comic sans? <laughs> Also, when he gets smashed by that two or this the gravestone, he makes this little bit of just <laughs> That's good shit. Um Oh yeah, I love that little weenie yelp he makes when he gets smashed. All right, and also as Nate Daddy walks away, he says, "Where's my cake? I want it. It's mine." Back inside says shouts. Shouts. Screams. It's my cake. I, mean, I want it. It's mine. He's a pretty one trick pony. All right. Back inside the Grand Ham Brood are still dancing, still smoking and still drinking until Cast tell Richards to go find Hank and Bedelia so they can uh, so they can eat their ham to which Rich replies. He's your husband. I don't even like him. <laughs> 
So Aunt Sylvia nuts up and goes to hunt down Hank. Did you see? Hold on. Did you see what she fucking does? She's sitting at the fucking table smoking a cigarette. To her right okay. is an ashtray. Not the ashtray, but there's an ashtray. Yes. To her fucking left is a fucking soup bowl. She puts, like, in fine china. She puts the fucking cigarette out in the fucking bowl, dude. So shitty. Also, I glazed past a part, but uh, it's when this uh, earlier uh, fucking Miss Danvers come out. And he just grabs the bottle of champagne and, like, drinks it. He goes, isn't life grand? Ain't life grand? <laughs> what a fucking She point. fucking's just staring daggers into the She's back of the She's just like, head. yeah, I'd love to drink, you hoity-toity twats. <laughs> but I gotta babysit your asses and glaze your fucking hands. I'm gonna fucking introduce you to my pal fucking Professor Henry later, you piece of shit. Is that a clue thing? No. It's, never mind. And we're Bad back. Joke. Bad joke, but... All right, so she uh, Sylvia walks into the pantry to summon Myth Danvers, so I guess she can pass the chore off to her, but she finds some muddy-ass footsteps leading into the kitchen instead. She enters, oh, not kitchen, the pantry, or I don't know. I have one kitchen room in my house, so <laughs> I don't. The kitchen's foyer, or whatever the fuck. The maid station's kitchen. Kitchen light. Yeah, sh- sure. Some Resident Evil shit. Um... <laughs> Uh, I blew my fucking line. Where is it? Uh, did a little, did a, did You're blowing the episode, but go ahead. I'll blow you, fucker. Happy birthday, <laughs> you little piece of shit. <laughs> she enters the kitchen through a set of double doors, and Miss Danvers plops her dead-ass face against a little window in the door. Death number three, Miss Danvers. Good help is so hard to find these days. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've made that joke several times in the duration of this podcast. <laughs> His shock, Sylvia walks backwards into Nasty Nate <laughs> as he twists her neck clean around. That was good. Oh, it gets better. Death number four, Aunt Sylvia. Next time, she better Jesus. watch her back. <laughs> Get it? Because I got twisted all the way the fuck around. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> you know, I'll drink to that. Where's my cake? <laughs> All right. I like the effect that they have over fucking Nathan's voice, too, because, like, it's, you know, it's, I can't do it because it's all fucking, like, half garbled. Yeah, they they do that It's like he's got fucking marbles in his mouth, but, like, it's good. It's fun. We'll run with that. All right, Cassie's starting to get worried about the whereabouts of the rest of her family, so the Wonder Twins activate their sleuth powers and go in to find some answers. In the form of suppression. And, yeah, suppression and alcoholism. Uh, the two find muddy footprints and follow them into the kitchen. Where Hold on. I love it when the fucking brother walks in and he's like, because it's all fucking dark. He goes, what are we, conserving power? Ooh. Damn. I, no, I did <laughs> not energy. catch that. Yeah, what are we, conserving energy? <laughs> he just goes down to the furnace and starts chucking $100 bills in there. Uh, just turning on appliances, just hitting start on the microwave. Why? Because we can. Uh... Muddy footprints. Yes. Uh, come into the kitchen where they are greeted by Nasty Nate, who comes out strutting his happy, comes strutting his happy zombie ass out of the kitchen with Sylvia's head on a silver platter, all done up like a cake, complete with frosting, candles, the whole nine yards, proclaiming, It's Father's Day, and I got my cake. Happy Father's Day! <laughs> now, uh, let's, let's think about this. Let's let this play out. So, what happens next? Do the kids just sit down with Nasty Nate 
and eat their aunt's head and everything's cool or like i don't know i didn't get the next issue or like did fucking nate just slip back into his grave for another year or like do you think he just straight up murdered everybody oh i'm presuming that they're both dead i, I think everybody got fucking murdered yeah all right you're up now all right next up we have the lonesome death of jordy Verrill. you all right i love this fucking this little <laughs> part Longhead Jordy Verrill is a simpleton who lives alone on his family's rundown farm, and I'd be dipped in shit if a meteor didn't crash to Earth, landing in his field while he's just standing outside watching the midnight sky. Jordy runs over to check it out and begins to poke at it with a measuring stick as the meteor begins to glow green. So he decides to touch it with his bare fingers, and he burns his hand. Because, you know... <laughs> He then begins to wonder how much they would pay for a meteor at the local college department of meteors and daydreams about negotiating with them for $200 as Anita Verrill didn't raise no idiots. $50, $200 and not a cent less. Uh, or is that later on? $75, Dude. $200. Anita Verrill didn't raise no idiot. You know what? I, I I really just need to rethink my life. Cause if there's a department of meteors at, at Swick and I didn't I miss I think I missed my calling, buddy. <laughs> um so uh, after the daydream, since the meteor is too damn hot to grab, Jordy's solution is to pour a cold bucket of water on it. But this causes the meteor to split in two. <laughs> A upset Jordy clearly fucking now cost himself $200 has another fucking daydream as this windfall of cash is now down the drain uh, where he goes back to the Department of Meteors and he's like, meteor. (laughs) Sorry. I wouldn't pay you shit. I like how he's just like bending on his hat and shit. I just got to say, Stephen King goes above and beyond just being a fucking Looney Tunes car, car, a Looney Tunes character. I love it because he's like, Jordy Verrill, you got that Verrill look. That kind of look that's spelled B-A-D. I say that at least once a week. You got that old McWerewolf family look. So he still, you know, resolves that he could probably sell the halves, um, which are now covered in this bluish green liquid, which Jordy calls meteor shit. Meteor shit. I wanted to require us a cocktail and call it meteor shit. As he touches it, he fucking rubs it on his clothes. He takes the meteor back to his house and wonders if he can glue it back together in the morning. Yeah, you know what? You don't have some meteor glue laying around your house? Later that night, after watching some old school fucking WWF, I was kind of waiting for, like, the dad from Silver Bolt to come Bust him up, maniac! Bust him up! <laughs> uh, we see that the crater where the meteor landed is now covered in a weird green plant life, as is everything the meteor has come into contact with. Jordy notices his fingers have this green fuzz on him. He has herpes. His Pre- fingers have fucking herpes, dude. Presumably from the burns, and he goes to call the hospital, but has another daydream where they're going to have to cut his fingers off, so he decides against it. And I love this part because they fucking... It's the same professor every time and now he's a doctor and he's just fucking rolling around in the wheelie chair oh my god yeah i like how it's at an angle and he goes like downhill and then it's like cuts to another romero angle and he fucking <laughs> skeets uphill like oh this is going oh to hurt it's me. going to hurt jordy we're gonna have to take those fingers it's like all of them 
so he decides against it. He realizes the green fuzz has come from the meteor where it burned him, and since he's been nursing his fingers in his mouth all night, he checks in a mirror to see that the green fuzz has now grown on his tongue, too. Later, we discover that the alien vegetation has now covered everything that Jordy has touched and the majority of his farm outside the house. Jordy realizes that the alien plant life is now growing all over his skin, and as the night progresses, Jordy becomes covered in shaggy green weed, which is causing him to itch. Jordy tries to deal with it the best way he knows how, by first fucking <laughs> scratching himself on the fucking door frame and uh, fucking <laughs> sitting in his chair. Uh, but the one thing that a man needs more than anything is some medicine, so he makes himself and drinks an entire pitcher of screwdrivers. That's right. It, it does he actually use orange juice, or does he use tang? I don't uh, so it's the pitcher is already filled with orange juice. He just but he's, puts the bottle in there. He and fucking fumbles it. through the fucking cabinets and piles up, pulls out pop off. And shit. he's like, I knew you were hiding there somewhere. Fucking just drops the whole fucking thing. It's in. like one of those ain't, uh, bottomless margaritas you get at Zapata's or some shit where they just put that beer upside down in it. <laughs> Probably from Aunt Bedelia's stash. No doubt. No doubt. So the growing now gets worse throughout the night which causes Jordy to decide that he's going to run a bath. But before he can get in, the image of his deceased father, who was also apparently the uh, Department of Meteor Head and the doctor. Yeah, it's like Lucky O'Houlihan or something. I think shit. something like it's that. It's bingo. It's bingo something. that The character, but we'll talk about um, that later. So his deceased father appears to him in the mirror and warns him against getting in the water. kind of looks like the tall man, some tall man vibes. Go ahead. Since the water is what makes the weeds grow. Saying, Jordy, that's what it wants. Don't feed it. He's like, Daddy, you're you've been dead three years. Call it a death sentence. Jordy fucks up and gets in anyway. And when morning dawns, Jordy. This is the best part where he's like, looks at his dick. He's like, not there, Oh, too. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> he looks at his dick. I like, know it's the 80s, so he probably already had a bush. <laughs> Get it? Because of plants. And pubic hair in his dick. Okay, and we're back. So, Jordy, now in the morning, uh, has become a giant lumbering mass of alien vegetation. He just basically looks like a fucking awesome ghillie suit. Oh, shit. I should have brought my fucking ghillie suit. Desperate, he fucking fumbles around in his house and goes, Please, God, let my luck be in this one time. As he fucking pulls out a sh double barrel shotgun and shoots himself in the head, revealing that the deep green weeds have even penetrated inside his brain. Afterward, a radio announcer is heard forecasting heavy rainfall for the next 30 days, suggesting that the extraterrestrial plant growth will further spread to all the surrounding areas. Now, did you catch the signage? Uh, so Castle Rock is uh, five miles away. Uh-huh. So that is the, it's probably in the trivia you're going to see at the end of the episode, but I'll just blurt it out now. Hit me. That's the first time uh, Stephen King used Castle Rock in anything. In a movie or? Yeah. Are you sure? Place a wager. I I I have a ton of Stephen King books. That is not something I could fucking feel comfortable wagering. I would assume it was mentioned earlier on, but this is the early eighties, so it's plausible. You're probably right. Right. But I'm not gonna say uh you are. And now back to you, sir. You uh, want to jump into this? Should we be rating these segments as we go, or will we do that at the end? At the end. Okay. I actually wanted to tell you I have a rating. Okay. So I figured you should think about it as well. <sighs> Well, as I get ready to uh, 
get into this story, I might need a beer to tide me over. Oh! <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. The name of the segment is Something to Tide You Over. All right, so I had a little too much fun with that last segment, and I'm going to move a little quicker with this one. Luckily, this one's not so plot heavy. <clears throat> we start out with a passed out Harry Wentworth played by Ted Danson, who totally dressed up in blackface when he was dating Whoopi Goldberg, a.k.a. Karen Johnson, a prostitute who used to smoke crack and shit the bed. <laughs> That's real. She fucked up. Uh... It's a James Bond. Which one? Timothy Dalton. T-Dalt. She fucked T-Dalt. Good for you, Whoopi. Good for you. Anyway, he's lounging around in his fucking... Uh... <laughs> Wait, what? What's up? <laughs> Just... The image hit you all at once. <laughs> Ooh, this crack's so good. <laughs> Yo, Tino, let me suck that dick. You hanging out with bird people and Flash Gordon? <laughs> Was that cocaine in that movie real? What about that shark? What's Del Toro up to? <laughs> right. So anyway, uh, yeah, Ted Danson's hanging out, hung over as fuck, uh, lounging around in his wood paneled pleasure palace hold on she gets she gets done fucking timothy dalton she shits the bed and he looks right there and goes i scared the living daylights out of her oh <laughs> and then fucking ted dancing come in rolls in the shit and that's his blackface dude <laughs> right benny graves would be proud i hope all right please i will continue okay uh so anyway yeah, fucking, there's knocking at the door. And so did you catch, as he wakes up, there's a bottle of champagne and two glasses? I, all I saw was Richard Gere on the TV. Oh, did you now? Yeah, holding a gerbil. <laughs> In betwixt his butt cheeks. <laughs> on the other side of the door is a less than thrilled Richard Vickers, played by the master of the fart machine, Leslie it was Nielsen. A great, great episode of That's Incredible. <laughs> Come on. Is that the, okay. Uh <laughs> Who tries to barge in, uh, barge his way into Harry's apartment, but is stopped by a chain door, chain lock, <laughs> I love this door lock, chain thingy. He's like, like, what does he say? He's like, I can bend. <laughs> Go ahead, take it. Uh, Dick tries to slide his foot in the door, but Harry puts. Uh, Harry pretty much tells him, "Look, Mister, I can bench press three hundred pounds. Ha! Uh, Maybe your forehead can. <laughs> so you better get that foot out of the door, or you'll lose it, Mister." And uh, Dick, who I will refer to as Dick, or Richard, I will refer to as Dick, right. pretty much tells Harry. Zaddy Dick. Dick Zaddy. He says, we're going to have a little chit-chat or something real, some real bad shit is going to happen to your current slam piece, a.k.a. my wife. My wife. He's like, yeah, don't fucking pretend like you don't know who I am and that this fucking chain's going to stop me. I'm... Harry tells Dick that Becky and him were going to sit down and tell him that, uh, tell him about the whole shindig, but uh, Dick is more focused on the connection of the coax cable on the back of his TV and that I keep what is mine, no exception to the rules, ever. It's like, that's okay. That's, yeah, Leslie Nielsen's kind of like, yeah, I'm not giving her up. She's mine. But also, dude, fucking... Uh, Put your coax cables in, yeah. right? Do you, do, this like this terrible fucking quality video. Yeah, this 1980 fucking two TV. Ugh, state of the chart. <laughs> we got the top of the line here, huh? 24 inches in this bad motherfucker. Pretty much. All right, Dick, or Harry then asked Dick, what do you mean by when you say something bad's going to happen to Dickie, but, 
uh, Becky. But Dick blows him off and is more concerned about the upkeep on Harry's top loader VHS player, a Sony Time Commander SL5800 Betamax. That's right, bitch. I looked it up. Uh, and that he should get a cle- uh, cassette cleaner to dust off the heads. And yes, I am sprinkling this in with Dick and Wiener jokes. Low key. <laughs> Harry grabs Dick up by both hands, but Dick tells him, not so rough. And Dick pulls out a tape recorder and starts... Oh, that plays the confused the confused cries of a frantic... From the top! <clears throat> not so rough. And Dick pulls out a tape recorder that plays the confused cries of his frantic fuck buddy, Becky. There we go. You've had weeks to do this. Weeks. I write tongue twisters. Harry tells Dick that he's going to beat him up if he doesn't tell him what he did to Becky, which Dick responds, it would be a shame if you did something to me now because you never find out where she's at. So hop in my Jeep and I'll show you. I just want to interject real quick and let you know that when Microsoft Office highlights a sentence in blue, it's letting you know that your grammar's fucked up. Just right-click it with the mouse, and it'll automatically fix it for it you. It gave me that little grade thing. I got 95 Serpent- Serpenter. <laughs> they drive past Dick's beautiful oceanside estate towards the beach, and Dick says, now this is Comfort Inn, and I call my beach house Comfort Station. Is that camp or kitsch, Harry? Harry says, it's stupid. All right, did you catch on uh, Richard Vickers' initials on the side of his Jeep? Uh, it's, it's very subtle. It's, it's there in cursive. They used to do a lot of that shit in 80s movies, like Chris, you know, the heroine from Friday the 13th Part 3. She has... Uh, heroin with an E. Yep. Her on. Uh, anyway, yeah, it has all that shit. And they used to do that or whatever. Okay. All right. Anyway, they reach the beach, and Dick is... The only thing I've ever seen on the side of cars is just wash me. Dude, my brother used to have on the side of his car because he totaled like six other cars with his like sky blue 81 Impala. So like he had that fucking World War Two bomber stamp of other cars on the <laughs> side of it. And he had like two dogs on there. I don't want to ask questions. <laughs> and he get the uh, obligatory dead dog joke in here. It was like the Camaro was the other day that just was like, what does it say? We fucking got closer and closer. It says major look. Oh, Written that on dude's the side. Frankenbeater? <laughs> that was good shit. Dude, the more I stared at it, the more impressed I got. I really liked it. It was like a cornucopia anomaly. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Please continue anyway, reading my birthday episode. <laughs> they reach the beach, and Dick is, be- is being his namesake to the umpteenth degree. I gotta say, man, sorry, but Leslie Nielsen is fucking chewing up the scenery it. here. He's fucking dude. great. Yeah. Oh, because Leslie Nielsen is great. But you'd normally always see him as the fucking funny man. No, not at this point. He didn't start his comedy career uh, till Eric. Right, but we uh, were born after this. So I'm saying you, yeah, me, yeah, yeah. normally always see him as the funny man. Well, I mean, technically he is being funny. He's just being very sadistic at the same time. <laughs> this is true. Uh, yeah, like I even have right here. He's being a dick to the umpteenth degree, but he's being very and funny and charismatic about it verbatim. See, I know what the fuck I'm talking about a week ago. Uh, he tells Harry and Becky, or he tells Harry that Becky is waiting for her knight in shining corduroy just over the hill. Is Harry's last name Paratesticles? It ought to be. <laughs> uh, 
so anyway, uh, when Harry gets over there, he finds a shovel sticking out of the sand right next to a giant hole. Harry grabs the shovel and goes to threaten Dick with it, but Dick already has a gun pointed at him. That was my nickname in high school. Pointed Dick? No, the shovel. I'm just kidding. It was a giant hole. It was a big whore. Knight in shiny cornroy? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Dick then chels. He chels him. <laughs> Oh my God! Let me, you know, let me just drink as much fucking beer as I can right now to just get this ruin my birthday episode. This is this is payback for Halloween too. Goddamn right. <laughs> That's for you, Texas Nick. Hello, that guy. Uh, Dick tells him to jump in the hole and start burying himself if he want because uh, he wants to incapacitate him first, and then he can see Becky. Harry tells him that he'll never get away with this and starts screaming for help. But Dick joins in and starts screaming for help, too, and then tells him... That's the best. Nobody's going to hear him because he owns the entire fucking beach. And he fucking shoots the gun, too. It's like, hey, guess what's louder than fucking shouting? Oh, nobody came to your help, Harry Pair of Testicles. Oh, sorry. That is fucking great. God damn, Leslie Nielsen is so good in this. All right. Harry, now buried up to his neck in sand, totally defenseless is totally defenseless, and Richard is taunting him by saying, I can bury you alive, and nobody would even notice. I love it. He fucking takes the sand and pushes it up Time into to his bury face. Harry. <laughs> and he's like, but fucking Ted Danson's forehead fucking grows arms and pushes it out of the way. Please, <laughs> no. That's fucking, that's a good scene. Ah, I love this one. But then Dick says he never do it because he's a man of his word, and he'll, he keeps his promise. Later, we meet Carl, the blue crab, who looks like he's about ready to throw claws with Harry until Dick shows up Must again. Must have missed him in the credits. Yeah, it's uh, you gotta you gotta go deep, man. <laughs> it's like the creep's name is actually Raul. Now that I did know. Okay. Um. Anyway, yeah, dude, this crab it looks like he's about to fucking you know uh, uh bite off a little piece of dancing. Yeah, get some snips on. Yeah. And anyway, fucking so. Leslie Nielsen shows up in time to just drop kick that fucker into the next scene kind of thing. Well, first he's like, oh, you're on his beach. Like he's all polite to the crab about it. And then he just straight up fucking kicks him. See, Richard's not that bad because he brought Harry a TV to watch while he waits for his neck bath. <laughs> I love when he pulls up on the beach what with the a fucking fuck? spool of coax cable. Jeez. Just fucking spinning 50 miles an hour. I mean, that dude has to have money if you just got fucking... You know, the 80s, I guess, were a simpler time. <laughs> no, uh, that shit was not cheap back then. All right. So uh, he turns the TV into Harry's favorite station, the Becky channel. All Becky all the time. Turns out this week, Becky got herself into a predicament that Harry can relate to. She's up to her neck in trouble. Boy, we're going to have to tune in and find out how she's going to get out of this one. This just confirms everything I've been saying for all these years. All Beckys are whores. Continue. Your mom's name's Becky. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's weird because she spells it Johan. It's the old uh, college spelling. <laughs> it's All right. Irish for Becky. No, so it turns out Richard also buried Becky down the beach up to her neck because he's kind of a dick. According to Dick, this isn't a death <laughs> sense because there's a chance to survive this scenario. All you have to do is keep your cool and hold your breath. On the monitor, Becky is starting to have a bad time and lose her shit. And she starts to call for Harry. Aww. The tide is slowly creeping in and shorts out the TV, and then it draws on Harry. Dude's in for some real deep shit. Draws on him? Dawns on him. 
It's not what my notes say. <laughs> it says done. On it. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's take a pause where I break a bottle over your head real quick and we'll jump back to it. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. I'm going to be professional. Now I kind of wish I had the fucking Steve Austin button. That'll be coming up. Yeah, dude. Let's make it. You know what? Write that shit down, buddy. I got a pen, and right. it doesn't click. I fucking hate clicky pins. Get them out of here. Oh, that's my best pen. Uh, so that doesn't look like best pen. God damn it, dude. God damn it. You're a real cornball-ass motherfucker, dude. That's a Star Wars joke, and you got it. Fuck you. Uh, all right. Uh, so meanwhile, back at the comfort station, Dick pours himself a glot a glass of vodka and watches Harry. Glass, I love a glass. A glass of vodka. Yeah, I'll take a glass. Um, and watches Harry and Rebecca drown on multi monitor command center while he has a good laugh. It's good to have hobbies, I guess. <laughs> and he just mutters to himself, "You gotta hold your breath, Harry. You gotta hold your breath." Yeah, he's like, "Oh no, hold your breath." All right. Uh, I like when fucking Harry looks straight into the fucking camera. Yep. Got it right here. All right, go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So I'm not trying to sound like a shit cunt or anything, but there is a scene where Harry is looking directly into the fucking camera and he's threatening Dick about revenge while the tide crashes on his face. But the way they superimpose it into the TV frame is off kilter. I get it. It's 1982. Oh, I think that was the intention, right? There's a camera watching him, so he looks directly at it, and he's like, I'm going to fucking get Spoosh. you. Yeah. But no, like, the way they frame it, it's like, it's yeah. like when you're setting up uh, they your monitor. They, yes, they could have put it a little bit off. Instead, he's looking directly into a monitor yes. that's now looking directly into another fucking, or a camera's looking directly into another fucking camera. Not trying to nitpick, just merely an observation. It's creepy. All right, so now there's the shot of Harry being totally submerged underwater with, like, the little seaweed flapping around. And uh, it looks like Harry's fucking going Super Saiyan. It does, dude. All right, later on, Dick goes back out to investigate the scene of the crime and notices that there are no bodies, and he's trying to convince himself that the tide washed the bodies out to seed. But I think we know better than that. I would know <laughs> I've never been out to seed. I've been to sea, though, once or twice. A seed in your fucking throat in 20 minutes. You do it to me all the time, bitch. All right. Dick lounges in his turquoise velour tracksuit while sipping another <laughs> glass of vodka. And we get to our. Oh, uh, wait. Hold up. Hold up. All right. I'm great. You just did Jody Vera. Where was the ashtray? I have it at the end. Oh, okay. I guess that's how we're doing it. Have it at the fucking end. All right, anyway, and so the Easter egg ashtray makes a cameo. Dick goes over to his Denise Reynolds-style murder tape collection, and uh, he thinks he hears Harry's voice. He goes out the window and just take a little look. Nothing's there. As soon as he's gone, we see two silhouettes lurk by. All right. Dick tries to convince himself that there's no need to get jumpy and hops in the shower to wash all that homicide off. He washes his old balls and doesn't notice that the reanimated corpses of Harry and Rebecca just kind of let themselves into the comfort station for a little tour. Is that on Bespin? Um, the Cloud City of Bespin, yes. That's what I meant to say. It's okay. Can't be right all the time. Uh, no, Cloud City is on Bespin. 
the Cloud City. Oh, Bespin. I thought Bespin was the planet and Cloud City. You know what? This might be like how uh, in Return of the Jedi people think it's Endor. No, but it's the forest mood of Endor. Endor. Yes. Uh, You know what? I will put a little pin in this and let's get to the bottom of this. Actually, I'll I'll burn through this paragraph while. Bespin is a giant gas star system. Okay. Yep. Bespin was a gas giant in the star system of the same name. So, yeah, Bespin is the planet. Cloud City is the name of the city. Go fuck yourself. Happy birthday to me. Little mini wave in honor of myself. Woo! You know what? I'll go wave with you. I fucking Star Wars, you bitch. You're acting like a real fucking nerf herder here, Cincinnati <laughs> Jeff. <sighs> Calling scruffy looking. All right. Dick jumps out of the shower and grabs his piece because he's convinced he hurt some squishy shoes mucking around his carpet. You notice how he got out of the shower? Hair? Bone dry. Yeah, no. And still in place. I love it. Dude, okay, you know what? Let me burn through this sentence real quick. Uh, okay, he whips open the door, bedroom door, and is greeted by the waterlogged lovers. Let's talk about Leslie Nielsen's fucking necklace the whole time. What Kid Icarus bullshit is that? What is that? It's like a fucking arrow with two angel wings or something. It's the 80s. Cocaine is everything. It's not gold either. It's like silver or white gold. For Leslie Nielsen, it's white gold. (laughs) Blends right in with his chest hair. And then I'm watching him and he like dries himself off. Then he puts on a robe and I thought to myself, I got to get a fucking robe. I just I need to be a robe guy. That's that looks cool. I love like basketball shorts and like t-shirts walk around the house, but I kind of fucking feel like but, I would get I would dig a robe. You know what? Um basketball shorts and like, you know, that's like a, a fucking hoodie. That's like modern day robe. Yeah, but a robe's like a fucking towel you can wear. I don't want to dry myself off with my fucking shorts. Eh, that's gross. I mean, like... Because you just hang the robe back up. It's not like you put a robe's dirty. Like, people fucking hang it back up. I have a robe, but I don't wear it. Is it a Schiffer robe? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we'll be taking applications for new co-hosts at any point. No, all right. Both of them are concerned that Richard isn't spending enough time on his beach, so they dug him a nice hole where he can spend the rest of his life soaking up sun and getting seaweed facials. Until the tide rolls in. <laughs> Dick is pretty stubborn about this uh, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and runs to his bathroom and locks the door. When he turns around, they're already in the bathroom, and Dick loses his shit. The whole time this is going on, Harry and uh, Harry and Becky are reminding Dick what he told them. If you can keep a level head... Uh, if you can keep your breath or whatever, it's like you might make it aloud. Uh, make oh my god, words! I'm fucking killing it today. Jesus Christ, you're right. I like how they're fucking like taunting him, like you're saying, and, and repeating sound, his fucking words back to him. And they like sound like they're underwater. They sound like they're living in a water bong. Yeah, like they're taking big fat risks. If you can hold your breath for a long time, time and keep your cool, <laughs> and like he shoots fucking Ted dancing in the head and just like. He's like a, a, a... He shoots them both in the head. Wet finger gusher. Yeah, Poor they, Becky gets it first, and then fucking Ted Danson gets it. And, uh, and they, like, green fucking, like, blood fucking pops yeah. out. Like, it's fucking... It's a great scene. They which, Here's what fucks me up, man. Uh, they've been underwater for all of three hours tops. Yeah. They look like They've George, been fucking buried at sea. 
Right. They look like George For Burns' weeks. waterlogged nutsack. <laughs> I like how it's hard to tell the fucking the girl who's playing Becky, but like that's clearly Ted Danson. Yeah, you, you get Ted Dancer from that, and then it, it's uh Galen Galen Ross, I want to say. I yeah, Galen Ross. Galen so Ross. I don't I don't have it in my trivia here, but I did I remember this from the fucking commentary. When Ted Danson was in makeup shooting this whole uh segment, yes. his daughter was on set with him. Oh, and he no. did his best to avoid her while he was in the fucking zombie getup. So she's like a so little that she's little? not yeah, yeah, she's like okay, real little. All right. So that she wouldn't get scared. And then she accidentally fucking came around like a corner and caught him. She looks up and goes, hi, dad. Oh, because it fucking clearly looks like Ted Danson. All right. See, I think I figured it out. Why Galen Ross is uh, unidentifiable is because she's still wet from the hot tub scene from Mad Men, <laughs> which is the dumbest fucking thing ever. Oh, my God. Yeah. Let me wrap up this segment real quick. Um, all right. Cut to the beach. Dick is now up to his neck in sand, and he is hysterically laughing and screaming, I can hold my breath for a long time as the tide crashes into his fucking face. All right. So let's think about this for a minute. Minute. Moment. Uh, Dick drowns, and what? Then he comes back to life. Now what? Like, do all three of them hang out? Or is it fucking weird? <laughs> or like, yeah, they go over to fucking Nathan's house and get cake. Right. It's, it's like, these guys smell like fish dick. Dick's like, I know a guy's got some cake. Or do like, since we're now fucking alive for eternity. I, or do like, do, does, does Dick get to come back to life? I don't know. Via the power of love? I'm assuming at the ending scene, it's their footprints leading them back into the ocean to rest at peace. Oh, not a sea. <laughs> also um with, with sebastian the crab i can't believe you fucking missed that joke ah fuck i don't disney as hard as you do all right fun fact uh while they were rehearsing the scenes they shot it it didn't make it into the movie but uh galen ross and ted danson were doing those entire scenes as right next so it's like yeah come on down to the beach richard richard come on down man y'all hold your brother you have a good time Richard, why don't y'all come down to the beach, man? You just keep your keep go head on you. Just come on down. All right, and that's all right. So the next one here can break is called the crate. A janitor at Horlicks University named Mike. That's a stupid fucking name. Uh, Mike or Horlicks University. Which word is hard for you? All of them. <laughs> Yikes. So Janitor Mike discovers an old dusty crate named Joanne. <laughs> Sorry, I missed. Let me redo that. Janitor Mike discovers an old dusty box named Joanne. There we go. Come on, keep it professional, Cincinnati, Jeff. Jesus Christ. Uh, behind a metal crate under a basement stairwell after dropping some loose change that rolled behind it because he was flipping a quarter to decide if he was going to wax the floor in the basement or clean the windows on the second floor. I mean, a quarter in 1982, that's like a $50 bill, man. You right? got to get at that shit. Cut to a party where Professor Henry Northrup, his obnoxious wife, Billy obnoxious and stacked yeah and also professor dexter stanley are all enjoying some bowls of loudmouth soup while billy does her breast and yeah you said it you got it right there buddy 
Her breast impression of nachos on a twisted tea bender. When Professor Stanley, who looks like David Gale from Reanimator, by the way. Oh, I was gonna say, uh, not Bob Dole, but Bob. He looks like he John looks John Kerry. No, he looks totally looks go... like the bad guy from fucking Reanimator. Yeah, but who looks like John Kerry? You know what? I'll uh, go ahead. I'll show you this. All right, all right, all right. So he gets a call from Janitor Mike to investigate the crate with him, drawing Dexter away from the party from this scruffy facility gathering, while uh, Professor Northrop's wife Billy is continually getting drunk and still embarrassing herself and everyone around her including Henry, at the party. And it seems as if she's about to ruin the friendship between Henry and Dex. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty spot it on. It does look like fucking John Kerry. fucking Kerry. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, visual reference. I pulled up the picture of John <laughs> Kerry. That's what Cincinnati Jeff is. Really so while too. Billy is fucking being her fucking berating, horrible fucking drunk self, uh, Henry, uh, who is somewhat timid, fantasizes about ways to murder her <laughs> and has this fucking fantasy where she's like what are you staring at what are you looking at me for when he fucking just produces a fucking 44 and just fucking blows her fucking brains out and then everybody in the party just starts fucking clapping i honestly i'm kind of mad they didn't hold up those little rating signs <laughs> um as the fantasy fucking disappears uh fucking henry you know jerks back to reality and realizes fuck I'm still here, and so is she. But back at the university, Dex and Mike pull the crate out from under the stairs and realize that it appears to have been under there since the late 1800s. Uh, and on the side, I believe it says the Julia Carpenter? Uh, Arctic Expedition, yeah. Yeah. Um, a stamp on the outside of the wooden box indicates that it contains a specimen from an Arctic expedition, so they move it into the basement lab for further investigation and study. Meanwhile, back at Henry and Billy's house, Billy is nagging Henry... Uh, about the proper way to do some skirt work while he fantasizes about strangling her with his necktie, but Billy leaves before he can do it for real. Yeah, what the fuck is skirt work? Like uh, cleaning, washing dishes, and doing laundry. Oh, sexist remark work. I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Skirt work? This is the 80s, man. You ever heard of skirt work? Man, She's literally bitching about him fucking washing dishes right. Man, that that washing machine started talking back, so I gave it two black guys. Geek, 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 geek. <laughs> My washing machine used to be broke, so I hit it. Now she gave me two kids. So. You've never heard of skirt work. Wow. <laughs> no, keep going, buddy. Keep going. <laughs> All right. So Billy leaves. Um, so obviously uh, Henry cannot strangle her with the necktie for real. Back at the lab now, Dexter and Mike work to open the crate as they can see and hear something moving her inside. And when Mike reaches puppy. inside, because he's like, they look like two emeralds. He is attacked by something when he puts his arm in the crate. It's a puppy. The crate then trip, tips over during the shenanigans, and whatever is inside pulls Mike in and apparently eats him as it goes. Dude, that is fucking gruesome. Like, when it straight pulls him up, like, he's, he's kind of halfway out and just... And then it's, just, like, slow because his arm's up in there, and then it's dripping blood, and then the fucking rest of him goes, like, he's being slurped up like spaghetti. It's like the Evil Dead 2 scene with fucking... Was it Jake? Not Bobby Joe. I'm talking about the hick dude. Yeah. When he gets fucking just slurped in the door and yes. just a blood geyser. Uh, so Dex catches a glimpse of the horrible shaggy beast with huge teeth. Dex Very Busey. <laughs> Dex runs blindly from the lab and finds the only person in a hall, a college kid. 
Oh, is it is it Paul Giamatti? <laughs> Named Charlie Gearson. And Dex explains in a panic about what happened to Mike. So just like a dumb white guy, Charlie goes down to the laboratory to see for himself and finds it covered in blood. There's no sign of the crate or the creature, and he begins to suspect that maybe Dex might have killed Mike the janitor for, I don't know, reasons? Charlie and Dex then follow a trail of blood and guts to find the crate back under the stairs. And I love that scene where, like, fucking while Mike's or Dex is upstairs with fucking Charlie the college kid, the fucking crate is just sort of scooting itself like, back to the stairs. Where they relocate me? Um, so they find the fucking crate back into the stairs and Charlie armed with a pipe wrench, uh, attempts to investigate cause he says he wants to measure his bite. Then the creature attacks him. Charlie trips, uh, Charlie tries to put up a fight, uh, but the creature slashes his fucking face really Fucks cool. his shit up dude. and eats Straight, him like, too. tears the back of his head off. Dex is afraid to go to the police. And so he instead goes to Henry's house and he arrives while Billy is away for the evening. He tells Henry the story about the creature, and Henry knows Dexter has to be telling the truth because they are very good friends. Henry hatches they also a- eat a lot of acid together. So. <laughs> Henry hatches a plan, but he needs to get rid of Dex, so he slips him the Bill Cosby special and leaves him locked in his study asleep. Henry writes Billy a note concocting a bogus story designed to lure her to the university basement lab about a scandal involving Dex and a female university student and that they need her strong hand to guide them while also noting that the student is so upset that she has curled underneath some stairs in the basement. Hey, real talk. How do we know Fluffy's not a lady? Could be. Mm -hmm. He gets there ahead of her and cleans up the evidence of the blood and carnage from earlier. Billy can't help but go and she just cannot resist Henry's fucking obvious trap here and she sews up at the university and as planned Henry barely keeping it together and laughing most of the time lures her under the stairs pushes her in and then holds her there screaming but nothing happens it's like it's dinner time or something like that soon her obnoxious nagging and taunting of Henry draws the creature out of its crate it eats Billy while Henry watches and afterwards Henry then chains it inside the crate and dumps the crate into a deep water of a nearby quarry. You missed the best line. It goes, whatever you do, make sure you call him. You call her Billy. <laughs> no, it's just tell him, tell, tell him you like to be called Billy or some shit Something like, like that. that. So next morning, Dex wakes up the next day with his butthole a little bit more sore. He and Henry vow to keep the secret of what really happened after Henry tells him exactly what went down after he passed out. How he cleaned up the bodies, or the mess, I should say, there's no bodies, lured uh, Billy there, and then disposed of the crate by driving it down to the core. And he's even like, I think the fucking creature, whatever was inside, was kind of aware what was happening next, because he's trying to sort of try to break out. Got a little sad. Yeah. It's like, But I dropped his half in the core, he's fucking 70 feet down in the fucking pit, you know, in a lake. Uh, and they decide that they are not going to let the uh, authorities know what really happened, but instead just deal with the disappearances as I, if they know nothing about it and play some chess. I think the line is, uh, he says something like, it's like, well, what are we going to do about it? He goes, well, we're not going to do a goddamn thing besides you shut the fuck up and I'm going to beat your ass in chess uh, for the rest of your life. Yeah. Two times a week. The final frame shows the creature at the bottom of the quarry tearing the crate to pieces and escaping. Well, Nachos, you're up. Well, hello and welcome back to the Here Comes the Spooky podcast. And we'll be wrapping up this episode shortly with the last segment called uh, 
They're creeping up on you, bitch. That's a good one. I like that. Oh, NPR Kermit came back. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen you in a while, bud. Well, thank you for joining us here on the um, Here Comes the Spooky podcast. Um, uh, before we get to the next segment, we'd like to tell you that tonight's episode has been brought to you by Moss Muffins. Moss Muffins. They're so good. Tastes like Ma made them. <laughs> Some dumbass shit. <laughs> All right. Why don't you uh, let that fake roach skitter around the table for this segment. I fucking I love it's this thing, dude. We, we gotta post a picture of this. Uh, <laughs> that's so dumb. Look I love Mike's it. picking it up. Oh. Ooh. It's this fucking giant fucking cockroach that my dad bought my son that fucking just skitters around, dude. It's fucking all the limbs move when it fucking vibrates. It looks fucking great, dude. And it sounds like a hissing cockroach. Like, ah, like awesome. if you didn't know what was up and you saw that thing, you might you might be pooping the paint. Oh, the fucking dogs and my wife freaked out when they fucking who? My wife. Yeah, she's yeah. a dead. <laughs> All right. They're creeping up on you. Uh Hold on. Before we get to it, we got to we got to look up uh we got to look up something. Okay. Is it cum jars? No. Oh, okay, cool. That'd be weird. Um, so Nachos here, despite having had this assignment for several fucking weeks and being super lazy, uh, did not finish the his notes on Creeping Up in You. I literally got his script, and he had a sentence completed. So um, I have the definition right here for you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. So Webster defines plagiarism as the practice of taking someone else's work or ideas and passing them off as your own. We will not be doing so as this is ripped directly from IMDb. That's right, suckers. And I'll, I'll uh, f- mumble through and fuck up some words, so it's a little different. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Man, I had some really good, like, ugh, whatever. Upston Pratt, a neurotic business tycoon who lives in a sterile white penthouse apartment atop a skyscraper in a major city. Not unlike a Howard Hughes-ish type character. He communicates with the outside world via telephone, treating his employees and subordinates in a cutthroat, heartless manner. One phone call informs him that an employee, Norman Kastenmeyer, that rolls right off the tongue. Yeah. Kastenmeyer has committed suicide because Pratt fired him. No, no, no. I'm sorry. So that, that is actually incorrect. IMDb, go fuck yourself. So Upton We're Pratt, plagiarizing the plagiarizing mergers. <laughs> uh, Upton Upton Pratt works for basically owns like a fucking company that t- like sells companies off, buys them. And he's a rich ass white dude. He's uh, fucking. He's actually what um, uh, Richard Gere is in Pretty Woman. Uh, so he buys these companies, then fucking splinters them off and sells them for pieces for big money. And he's bought a company that is owned by a Mister Kastenmeyer uh, and. His, uh, his wife calls in. And well, his little his little fucking lackey. lackey calls, and he's like, hey, just trying to tell you about this shit, and he just fucking keeps interrupting him, and he's like, look, I just want to fucking tell you that fucking Krastenmeyer has fucking blown his fucking brains out about an hour after you fucking bought the company. Damn, yeah. Pratt seems delightfully uh, delightful rather than upset. <clears throat> Pratt- <I> love- <laughs> 
like when he fucking talking to his buddy he, or the guy who calls him and he's like, uh, don't spoil fucking good news by keep going. Okay. He's like, why don't you just go out and fuck somebody? But we're a damn rubber because everybody's, everybody's got, got the herpes. herpes these days. Yeah. I mean, fuck. Because he's a germ phobe. Yeah. This, this fucking dude, apartment. Yeah. Let's paint this picture for our fucking wonderful listeners. Yeah. This is like an uptown fucking Girl. New York high rise apartment. Yeah. And it's like the penthouse. So it's at the fucking top of this giant fucking sky rise. But it's not fucking like lavish and fucking like flourish with fucking giant fucking like gold plates and it's like things you would like in a lab have. and fucking Resident Evil. Yeah. It's like a fucking sterilized clean room. It's like a hospital. There is a jukebox and some computers and shit. That's it. You know what? I, I kind of want to say his little computer console is reminiscent to Mother from the original Aliens. There you go. Right? A little... He also has like a special like like sterilized clean room where his bed is and like it has his own like separate sets of oxygen and things like that. Dude's a little uh, overprotective. Oh, yeah. Upson is uppity because like anytime he touches something, he's got to wear gloves He and he still touches it with a napkin. Even though it's his apartment... And there would be his germs. He can't fucking touch a, the buttons on the phone without fucking having his finger covered first. And he's got a little fucking suction vacuum attached to his desk. Right. That, like, sends everything down. It's like a bank tube, but for poop. <laughs> uh, and then Smithers comes in and is like, Mr. Burns, we need to fucking get to the casino. People are riding. And he goes, ooh, I've been building this plane. It's called the Spruce Moose. And he has fucking tissue box on his feces. feces. <laughs> anyway. Um, all right, go on, buddy. All sorry. right. No, you're good. Platt is obsessed, or Pratt is obsessed with cleanness and has a huge phobia of bugs. Unfortunately, he finds or keeps finding cockroaches in an apartment, which sends him on a rampage to correct the situation. He places a telephone call to the building superintendent and makes a thinly veiled racial slur in attempt to intimidate the man. Yeah, uh, ooh, do you do you want to tackle that line? What? No. Oh, that people of color. Oh, yeah, he's like, to... you're yeah, you're you're going to do well. People like you do great in these maintenance positions. People of color. Yeah, not. Yeah, not people. He might as well just say colored people because yeah. uh, the way he's laying it say on, with the hard R. Yeah, the infliction in his voice might as well say eh, just kidding. I don't <laughs> say that word. Uh, all right. As Pratt finds more bugs in his apartment, some get through his private line. Oh, someone. I was like, bugs are calling him. What up, fuck boy? It's Lenora Kastenmeyer. Uh, the Widow, yes. Voiced by Gwen Verndon. You know, that old white bitch. Yep. Uh, calls him and curses him for his husband's death. She says, I'm the wife of the man you murdered this afternoon. He just straight up goes, Mrs. Kastenmeyer, how are you? <laughs> Dude's got some... um. I hope they keep hell hot for you, you son of a bitch. Dude has some sterilized clackers on him, for (laughs) sure. Uh, All right. Um, Yeah, Pratt is amused by her melodramatic sadness until the cockroaches multiply. He goes, yes, they told me Norman went out with a bang. I mean, I say bad shit. Dude, but. this whole exchange, because she's like, how many men have you destroyed? And he goes, only the stupid ones. The only, only the ones who handed me a knife and then stretched out their throats. I mean, Only only the ones of you, pardon the expression, fucked up. 
And it's like, dude, her fucking husband just committed suicide an hour ago. You're the biggest piece of shit of the fucking yeah. movie. Upton really isn't on the compassionate side as you. Uh, She's as like, you I hope you get cancer in the worst place. Dude, we got to do Wishmaster at some point. Uh, well, we'll get in that later. Anyway, uh, <laughs> before before she gets on the phone, hold on. Yeah, yeah. She's like, "Oh, let me just ask you one thing. Who gave you my private number? I'd like to fire him." <laughs> it's like, well, you already killed him too. <laughs> yeah, so. she goes, "It was in my husband's address book, you son of a bitch." And he ends the phone call with going, "Well, I can't fire him, can I?" <laughs> Damn, <laughs> that's so good. All right, so all this shit's going on. He's like eating some cereal, whatever. Or, you know, maybe we call them roachios at this point because that fucking box is a barimen with roaches. Oh, okay, and then an electrical blackout occurs. And dramatic page turn. He's like, if I owned the fucking power company, this shit wouldn't happen. Dude, okay, so. Oh, it's coming up. It's coming up. The roaches attack, swarming thousands everywhere in Pratt's apartment. Pratt retreats to. No, 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 because. It's the fucking building manager, and I love this dude because his name is Mr. White, and he's African-American. Thank you, irony. And I love the way he is condescendingly talking to Pratt through this, like, fucking fisheye bubble. He's like, oh, no, Mr. Pratt. I hope there's no bugs in there or some shit <laughs> I'm like I'm stuck that. in the elevator. Right? And he's just like, don't you talk to me like that. Don't you talk to me like that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's like basically battling one or two cockroaches these this entire point. Yeah, yeah. But he, he's excuse me, got oh, shit like boy, all night. It. Like he's like, if there's fucking one cockroach or something, you know, I'm in the fucking buildings infested with him. But it's like, dude, you've only fucking seen the one. He's like, oh, it's like he sprays it and it keeps coming back. He's like, it's just been stunned. That's the problem. It's just been stunned. I love the bug spray too. It doesn't even like nothing has labels. It just has like a fucking code on the side of it, like two eight fucking two eight nine six seven or some shit like that. Like it's just this L little like, LV four two six. <laughs> just this little code. Nothing. Everything's so sterilized. There's no labels or anything. That's weird. I bet you he drinks beer brand beer. Just kidding, that motherfucker don't drink No, beer. it just says can. <laughs> uh, the roaches attack, swarming by the thousands everywhere in Pratt's apartment. Pratt retreats to his safe room, a.k.a. his Michael Jackson fuck sleep dungeon. He's like, good luck getting in here, you bastards. A climate-controlled sleep chamber. Oh, wow. Okay. And the phone rings. Leonard Kastenmeyer's voice curses him over and says, I hope you die. I hope you... Man, They they really just cut through all of this and took the fun out of it <sighs> yeah so did you you should have fucking done your work i did so it got uh yeah wait till i don't watch whatever fucking birthday movie you pick the the roaches destroyed my notes <laughs> cyber roaches that's yeah you gotta watch out man <laughs> so then like pratt pulls his fucking bed covers up because he sees them yeah gyrating like fucking squirming. moving the squirming undulating yes undulating and guess what it's just it's one cockroach <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's like every cockroach. Dude, these big, nasty motherfuckers. Uh, they start to fucking climb up him. Oh, yeah. He gets engulfed in fucking roaches, and then I think the lights cut out. Or something. He has a heart attack. Heart of what? Heart attack. You ought to know. Yes, by now. Um, anyway, so then, like, we cut to, and then he's inside his little chamber, and then, like, 
So then Mr. White then starts fucking knocking on the doors. The oh, power comes back that's on. That's right. And he goes, what's the matter, Mr. Frat? Roach bugs got your tongue? Honky. <laughs> you honky ass motherfucker. Should be hanging out with the fucking ham. So the fucking camera pans in and fucking Pratt's like dead on the bed. Dude. And then fucking he starts to bleed from his forehead as fucking Dude. all the roaches just bust out from his throat and his fucking mouth and his just chest. Roach explosion. And there you go. The end. Or is it? Back to the epilogue of the movie now. In the morning, outside of Billy's house, Billy the child, not Billy the bitch who got eaten in the crate. Uh, Billy the Child, outside of his house, Stan's house, if you will, from the beginning, two garbage men middle of the street. pick up a comic book that Stan had tossed out the night before and start to thumb through it. They start to go through all the ads where you can see they send away for x-ray glasses, muscle milk, and a voodoo doll, but one of them notices that somebody's already sent away for the voodoo doll, so they can't get that. Heads up, these guys are hamming it the fuck up. <laughs> Inside the house during breakfast... Stan shouts for Billy to get his ass downstairs and comments to his wife, who still has not been named, by the way. Or slapped. Uh, <laughs> so good on her, you know? She's like, Billy, go take one for the team. She knows how to day. fucking iron a fucking shirt and make a sandwich, I guess. Or slurp a ding-dong. Uh, his comments that he didn't get much sleep last night, and he's a little sore. We oh, see that, you poor bear. Let's get the Ben Gay. We see that Billy's upstairs playing with the voodoo doll and begins to stab it in the neck with pins, commentating, commenting, this will teach you to throw away my comic book as Stan begins to grab his throat and die. And scene. scene. The end. Roll credits. Damn. Yeah. Oh, I like how he sounds like a fucking little demon. Like, take this, daddy. <laughs> Man, I fucked up. I forgot to hit this button earlier. One of us is really going to enjoy murdering you. We was horse around with some maniacs. We just jumped right into it. I was so excited. I love this movie so much. But now, do you kids want to see a dead body? <laughs> We've got 14 confirmed kills. Oh, shit. Okay. All of them on screen. Number one, Nathan, beaten to death by Aunt Bedelia with an ashtray, revived as a zombie. Nasty Nate. Number two is Aunt Bedelia, strangled by the zombie Nathan. Harder daddy. Number three is Hank, crushed by the zombie Nathan with a tombstone and Jedi powers. <laughs> Number four, Mrs. Danvers, killed by the zombie. I guess that one's off screen. My bad. Yeah, whatever. Number five, Sylvania, head twisted 180 degrees and decapitated by the zombie Nathan. Watch your back. Number six, Jordy Verrill, suicide by shotgun. It's meteor shit. <laughs> Monkhead. Number seven, Becky Vickers, drowned in high tide by Richard, revived as a zombie. <laughs> Number eight is Harry Paratesticles Wentworth, drowned by high tide, revived as a zombie. Number nine, Dick Vickers, drowned by a high tide. Art machine. Number ten, Mike the janitor, pulled into the crate and eaten by Fluffy. Oops. Number eleven is College Cad Charlie Gearson, face ripped off by Fluffy. Hey, Paul Giamatti. Number twelve is Billy or Wilma Billy Northrup, bitten in the neck and then pulled into the crate and eaten by Fluffy. Caller Valley. Number thirteen is Upson Pratt, eaten from the inside out by cockroaches. Fuck that honky. Number 14, Stan, stabbed in the neck by the voodoo doll. So I'm assuming blood loss at that point. Where's the mustache? All right, so Nachos, what was your favorite kill, buddy? Oh, fuck. I, I, I kind of wanted to do it by segment, but 
sometimes there's only one death per segment. So real talk, man. Oh, that roach explosion is gross as fuck. Uh, dude, anything in the crate is gory as fuck. <laughs> Jody Verrill or Jordy Verrill. Sorry. No one sound like an idiot doing a pretty good job this episode. <laughs> uh, man, I don't know. I, I, I kind of want to give it to Upton's roach explosion because that's fucking gross. How about you, Cincinnati, Jeff? Uh, I'm going to go with Jordy Verrill just because that's probably the most memorable one in the movie because it's death by suicide. He's a giant fucking moss monster at this point. Moss man. Like I said, the most memorable. Like you're never going to forget that. So you ready for some stuff you should know? Hello, greetings. What seems to be your boggle? My boggle? So, first up, during a Fan Expo Canada 2015, George A. Romero had said that the cockroaches were the most expensive part of the movie, stating that the cockroaches cost 50 cents apiece and they used more than 250,000 of them, a grand total of $125,000 on roaches alone. I got some gross trivia. If you he could have just looked in my fucking high school car ashray and fucking pulled out as many roaches as he wanted. <laughs> That's a marijuana smoking joke. Uh, so actually, but in the end scene, though, uh, Savini had said, hey, we use most of the cockroaches in the in the scenes throughout the apartment. So the ones in the room where it looks totally full, it's actually just a bunch of raisins and like peanuts and then cockroaches kind of laid on top of it. That's kind of funny. That's good shit. While we he was all business in his scenes, Zaddy Nielsen had a fart machine in his pocket during the shooting. He would let it go off during rehearsals and just before director Romero would call action, causing Ted Danson and the crew to cack up with laughter. You gotta love that shit, man. Frank, Frank Draven, a.k.a. the fart monster, <laughs> dude. That's good shit. I fucking love that interview on, like, early Conan. Conan. I was just talking about this shit today, man. Where he's just like, no, Conan, that's very unprofessional. And just low-key slips out. Just... Mm -hmm. <laughs> So, do you think he had the same fart machine the entire time, or do you think he upgraded over? No, he years? fucking had like a, a closet full of them. It's actually a zip like ziplock bag full of farts. You're gonna love this one. Right. During a break in filming, Stephen King took his son to McDonald's, and as a joke, Joe was made up with bruises, cuts, and scabs. The girl at the drive-through window called the police when she saw him because she thought it was real. And then later on in life, she called because it's Stephen King's kid. Now, here you go. All right. The Marble Ashtray, which plays a major role in Father's Day, is featured in all five of the film's segments. And if you look closely, you can spot it. Number one, Father's Day, obvious. Yes. Shown to the viewers multiple times. Two, The Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill. It's next to the cash box in the Department of Meteors. No shit. That one's hard to find. Number three, and something to tide you over. Can you do you know where it is? Yeah, it's in Les it's right by Leslie Nielsen's bedside. On the nightstand. Number four in the crate, you know where it is? Uh Jody or uh Billy sticks it up her twat. It's on the desk. Actually, where Henry writes the letter to Billy. Ow. And then number five, they're creeping up on you. Oh, I know I didn't catch that one. This is this is a hard one. This is actually pretty difficult. It's actually the soap dish. When Upson Pratt is washing his hands in yes, his bathroom. Yes, it is. God damn it. And the last one, it's sitting on Billy's desk when he first starts stabbing the voodoo doll. As he torches up a doober. Stephen King had an allergic reaction to the makeup that he had to wear for Jordy Verrill's transformation. Yes, he did. And he was subjected to shots and medication so that he could make the work bearable. And this is my favorite one of all. Okay. An alternate ending, which was scripted and written but then changed for something to tide you over 
found two policemen dropping by to investigate Richard's panicky but true claims of Harry and Becky invading his beach house. When the policemen laugh at his story, thinking he's drunk, Richard attempts to prove this by showing them the camera footage of both of the undead stalkers. Instead, the television plays his incriminating conversation with Harry before and during the latter's burial at sea. Richard protests that he's been set up and that this is a wrong tape. Oh, it's the right tape, all right, pal, the police answer. And speaking of rights... The film smash cuts from there to Richard's murder trial. He's convicted and sentenced to death row. Another smash cut finds Richard in the gas chamber laughing hysterically even while he's choking the f- to death on the gas. I can hold, hold my, my breath, breath for a long, long time. time. All right, I got a little trivia for you. I love that one. Man, that's dark as fuck. I know. I thought that that's a fucking better ending. Eh, he got what he got. Uh, So... That cockroach scene, they shot that in, like, uh, a building in Philly or, or uh, Pittsburgh. I'm sorry, Pittsburgh. So uh, those Wranglers, they didn't get all the roaches. So there is now, like, a super breed of hyper-fucking cockroaches in Pittsburgh because of this fucking movie. <laughs> That's like the fucking story of frogs, dude. Pretty much. You might as well just call it, like, the Savini brand fucking cockroach <laughs> murder. Like, dude, it's like they got they went to fucking Guatemala and got these hissing cockroaches and shit. Like, they go to a cave. So they have regular roaches, and yes. then they have the big hissing cockroaches, those monster too. monster motherfuckers. So, yeah. like, all those like fucking roaches Egyptian ones. super fucked and made, like, hyper roaches. And it's actually a prequel for the movie Mimic. <laughs> What's up? So is it true that you're No, everything is true except for the mimic part. Okay. Or is it? You got any more? Uh that's cool. Okay. The the creature in the crate's name is Fluffy. Is Fluffy. And that is a uh later on we would get that call back and Jason goes to hell. That crate is in the bottom of the Voorhees' basement. Yeah, it is. Which And then so he named a couple of things. So that's actually Savini's first animatronic. Mm-hmm. Um, creature that ever made, and he like worked with uh, a bunch of other people uh, to make that, I and he named uh, the creep. You said Raul, Raul. yeah, based off of Raul Julian, his giant ghoulish eyes. Uh, that, that, okay, May he rest in peace. Yeah, yeah, he was all right, and he was in Tammy and the Team. Uh, he was a great uh, M Bison and Gomez Adams. Yep. Uh, okay, what well, I got one more. Uh... Jody Verrill. Okay, so that shit. Wait, what? Nothing. I'm just fucking with you. I was like, "What button are you gonna hit now? Is it is it the clown jacking?" <laughs> <laughs> um. No, I already got that that um, Flanagan's Wake thing. Uh, what's what was the second one? Jody Verrill. Um, Jody Verrill. Okay, so in that. Um, oh, all right. So the special. Okay, so they did the special effects where Jody Verrill goes to blow his fucking head off. Mm-hmm. So the stunts dude, uh, the stunt dude is like laying pr- prone. So like the upper torso is a uh, like mannequin, right? But every time they go to shoot it, the fucking sparks from the shotgun would catch the dummy on fire. <laughs> they had to tape that shit like sixteen fucking separate times. Um, was the third segment fucking tied you over? Did we get it? Am I on fire again? <laughs> yeah, no, legit. Like, it was like, douse them off, douse them off. Um, no, no, it wants water. No, you can't give him water. That's not going to work. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. All right. Well, what do you know? I asked for final cut, and I got it. <laughs> 
Oh, was that Raul the Creep? <laughs> All right, buddy. So your final cuts, final thoughts, what you like, what you didn't like, then give me your rating. Go. All right. So All-Star cast, phenomenal fucking stories. Um, oh, are we picking the weakest chapter or what's your favorite chapter? After we get through After. these, then okay. we're going to do... Five, so best of I was just or worst of best. scarifying to make sure. <laughs> uh, anyway, I don't know, dude. So, like, the visual effects, all the shit they did was, like, on hand, obviously pre-digital. So, like, all the cinematography and the lighting and shit they bring in with those crazy fucking... Oh, that shit is... Uh, that's a fucking 10. The actors, it's a fucking 10. The stories, it's a fucking 10. Um, no boobies. No boobies, sans boobies, what? no boob foo. I'll 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 let it slide. I'll let it slide. Uh, but you know because you know what fucking Adrian Barbeau's got fucking cooking underneath them fucking sweater puppies. Those coconut cannons. Whoa, <laughs> uh, dude. But just like this movie's fucking awesome. If you don't like Creep Show, then ask yourself why are you listening to a podcast about two assholes talking about horror movies? Mm-hmm. I mean. Seriously, this is probably one of the best intro to horror films you could show somebody. This is a love letter to the old EC, almost said ECW, <laughs> uh, A and W. No, uh, <laughs> the old tales from the crypt shit. And I mean, just what fucking more do you want? This is you have Stephen King, you have George A. Romero, the Titans of fucking terror, but fucking and bringing you this bombastic, beautiful movie just everything about this movie it's a fucking 10 it, it just and if you question that go fuck yourself go watch not creep show i don't know that sums it up right go uh, watch vhs3 that's even that's not bad oh and it's a fucking killer anthology film Ugh, killer anthology film cincinnati jeff Hall well give me you. your rating it's, it's a fucking it's a it's it's a fucking 100 okay yeah okay all right um so same thing here yeah, i was like do i have to help you get to your car later tonight <laughs> this is one of if not the best i personally say it's the best horror anthology movie of all time it's yeah. it's perfect for the pg crowd so if you want to show it to somebody who's fucking not into horror movies or trying to get into it even a younger crowd like we saw pretty fucking early on i was so young that the crate was always the scariest one for me. And I was... But the crate was only 10 years old at that point. I didn't understand exactly what had happened and tied you over. Like, I knew that they had drowned. Did you just say tied you over? Something that tied you over? Okay. Um, So I didn't understand exactly what like, kind of had happened and like what went on in that one. I was so young when I saw this, but it did not traumatize me. But what always stuck with me was the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill. And I was just like, that's a great one. And, you know, my parents weren't really wrong with showing me this, even though it's rated R. Okay. You know, like, hey, you know, we just kind of fucking bypassed and said, fuck it. We think it's fine. You're going to like it. And I fucking loved it. This thing frames itself so well. I love the actors. Low key, all these people, it's before their big success. This is pre-cheers. This is pre-fucking naked gun for everybody. Like, this is this is huge. But post-Day of the Animals. <laughs> So we got Ed Harris, Ted Danson, Adrian Barbeau, Leslie Nielsen, Richard Gere, all who have not fucking have been successful at yet, right? Have they been in plenty of stuff, right, of course, at this point? But, like, they don't blow up until after this. It's not this movie that blew You're them up. You're forgetting a very important name. 
Oh, motherfucking Tom Atkins. Tom, steal your bitch, Atkins. Yeah, you're right. You're Tom, right. My Tom bad. forgot his mustache at home, Atkins. But I wouldn't say, because I don't, uh, you know, because he was also in Halloween 3 in the same year, so. All right, yeah, fair enough. Him and his mustache and his drinking problem. God damn. And his high life. How long do you think it took him to, to grow that mustache? Like, in between takes of this I'll movie, say he six, had to keep six hours. <laughs> So, and then, like, one of my favorite parts is, like, always towards the end when it gets suspenseful. They do those great framing shots oh where, like, God, it gets kind yes. of picturesque behind there. It looks like an, like an EC comic fucking, like, panel behind it. The frames, dude. Yeah, in every episode, like, the every segment has one. I love it so much. It's so great. We saw this in the drive-in um, a couple years ago, and, like, right. this was the highlight of that night. We saw The Blob, which is also fantastic. That's a pretty good double feature. But, what, damn. What was the third one? Uh, so, it was this one. It was Night of the Demons? Night, it was Night of the Demons, then Creepshow, then The Blob. Fuck, yeah. I remember I am hammer drunk, and I'm just sending my mom pictures of this, and I was like, it's meteor shit! <laughs> She's just like... We were having a blast. And this was, I mean, still just the best one. Those are great movies. I love Night Did of the Demons. Did we run into Andy that night? That is that night we ran oh. into Andy from Destroy the Brain podcast. That's right. Those those wonderful people. Destroythebrain.com. That's right. Um, but I just, you know, I I, just, I cannot fucking sing this fucking praise enough, right? I, I can wax poise by this fucking movie all night. I give it a, a 10. 10 smacks to the face out of 10. That's right. Okay? It's, it's just awesome. Not overly bloody. Not overly gory. It's just uh, kind of just the perfect. right amount. It's just it's the perfect balance. I mean, I just I'm, I'm just kind of I don't understand why people are so anti nudity in horror movies. Like we saw Tom Aiken's dick, you know, he slaps Joe Hill in the face with his dick. <laughs> That's a different kind of movie. Different kind of movie. So now nachos, what would you? How would you rate each each one? Not not give each one the rating. Give me you know worst to best. The five I'm, segments. We're not counting the, never do the that, intro. In this scenario, the wraparound. Okay, yeah, we're not uh, counting the wraparound. Just the five I'll fucking go my segments. My favorite to least favorite, and I love them all. Go but... least favorite to favorite. Uh, Worst to best. You want me to go first? Yeah. Because right. I'm going to do it backwards. All right. So number five for me, Father's Day. My least favorite one. You getting out of this cake, motherfucker? I mean, I love I love the framing of the story, but it's a pretty generic a zombie comes back for revenge sort of thing. Similar to something to tide you over. What what makes that one a little bit better is honestly fucking Leslie Nielsen, man. So great in that. I yeah. love the way he fucking just chews it up. Number three, creeping up on you. I love the dialogue in this so much that he's such a shit cunt. I'm, I'm calling Jody Verrill's your MVP. Uh, you're actually wrong, sir. Lunder two is the lonesome death of Jody Verrill. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, wow. You lunkhead. I love that fuck. I mean, it's just Stephen King the entire time with the occasional TV in the background. And then, the, obviously, the Department of Meteors. But for the majority of it, it's 90% Stephen King really doing a good job. Oh, you know, who hates watching himself fucking act. You know what? I and this is the most time he spends on screen in any of his films. Yeah, this is probably the longest. Ugh. And then number one is The Crate. Because that's the one that scared me as a kid. Because Fluffy... It's fucking terrifying. And the first time I saw it, remember Creep on Netflix with Peach Fuzz? Oh, I always thought, I still think Peach Fuzz looks just like Fluffy. It's close. I want to jump in here with some trivia real quick. All right. Uh, This Bingo dude, uh, Bingo, who who is actually the second movie he's been on in the uh, Here Comes the Spooky uh, collective of movies we've done. He was also in, also starring Tom Atkins, also in Pittsburgh. Well, maybe. Uh, 
the My Bloody Valentine remake. 3D. In 3D. His name's like Bingo something. Bingo Bango. Oingo Boingo. You know what? Uh, I'll look it up. You, yes, you give me you All give right. me your fucking worst to best. All right, best to worst. Gotcha. Uh, worst to best, man. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Um, it's a countdown. It's a countdown. All right. So my least favorite. I don't know. They're creeping up on you. Like it's cool. I get it. It's good. It, it maybe it's because you didn't fucking watch it. Look here, motherfucker. I've seen it. No, you fucking fuck you. All right, go on. Fuck you. Fuck you. Uh, Probably the Roach one. I mean, just, I don't know. It's cool. He gets it. And goddamn. It's weird, though, because that's your favorite death. Hey, dude, that's gruesome. I like roaches don't even freak me out, but that's just it's like a chest burster, but with roaches. Um, Bingo O'Malley. See what I say, like Lucky O'Malahan or yeah. some shit. So that you dude, couldn't remember that, you Irish bastard. Well, he, he sounds like a fucking alias Batman would go by to find out <laughs> fucking bullshit. Was that Patches O'Hulahan? Maxi Zeus, Maxi Zeus. That would... all right. Anyway, um, yeah. So that dude, he ends up. I think he's Jordy Verrill's dad, and he's also in the Department of Meteors. Yeah. Yeah, so he is he is the doctor, he's the Department of Meteors professor, and he's George Harrell's dad. All right, so it's just the two of them in, in the whole thing. Just the two of them. So he's like an old Romero regular kind of shit, and you catch a lot of that in here. I mean, you got fucking uh, Jacqueline, not the cat lady, Galen Ross. Mm-hmm. So you catch a lot of that, that callback family. All right, anyway, so I said roaches. Uh, I'll say fucking... Something to tide you over. Then I'll go Father's Day. The crate, then Jody Verrill. Because just Jody Verrill, the older I get, the more I love. Just because that is just 110% Stephen King just being a fucking ham. And I love it. Oh, dude, he's so good in that. I, I You know what? Like, I... He, he would ask... Um, Romero and shit while this was going on he's like do you think I'm being a little extra he goes no no goddamn Steve go bigger go bigger it's just like okay but I'm fine with that dude in that order all right hey not bad not bad uh so uh before we uh sign off here um we want to talk about uh and remind everybody hey we've got a fucking hotline the here comes the spooky hotline you can call us at 704 666 Two eight one four and right. yell at us. What's that number again? Seven zero four six 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 two eight one four. Oh yeah, yeah. Call at us. Yell at us. Leave us drunken fucking voice messages. Just tell us what you like, what you hate about nachos, and why he fucked up my birthday episode. Uh, and uh, tonight we have a we have a voicemail we want to get to. So here we go. So I owe Nachos McWerewolf an apology. He was right. I was wrong. He's smart. I'm stupid. He's attractive. I'm not good looking. I was wrong that Paul Giamatti is not in Creep Show featuring the crate and Fluffy. I was wrong. But you gotta admit, that guy sure looked a hell of a lot like Paul Giamatti. God damn it. I had to tip my cap to Nachos McWerewolf. 
I planted the seed of doubt, but it came out in the wash that it was not Paul Giamatti. I can, I, I concede victory in nachos. Keep it up, guys. By the way, this is Aaron Southwares from Horrible Horror Podcast. Check us out. Duke's a spook. Keep it up, guys. You guys are doing great. I'll drop a little foreshadow on that. So, oh, uh, go ahead, sir. All right. So a couple weeks ago, maybe on somebody's birthday, uh, we had a per <clears throat> at the Fart Fortress, I guess, or the Comfort Fortress. The CNC Fart Factory. Fart Fortress. <laughs> uh, we were watching uh, a couple movies out on a projector in the screen in the backyard. What we did, uh, what we do first? The Burbs, motherfucker. Yeah. He came with a frame. <laughs> and uh, I fucking love the verse. Satan is good. Satan, Satan is, is your pal. You're I gonna kill, kill everyone. Ray, you're chanting. And um, then we did. And we, then we did creep show. And then we did creep show. And um, the wonderful Aaron Southworth of the. Did you think about his last name? You gotta shut your butt, Aaron Southwind. Yeah, no, no. So don't say that because you're gonna fuck me up, dude. All right, Mrs. Butterworth. <laughs> the way he fits in his clothes, Butterworth. All right. Anyway, so. We've had a couple dozen of adult beverages, and he's like, "Hey, man, look, it's Paul Giamatti or Giovanni or whatever the fuck." Paul Giamatti, yeah, that that old boy. I saw sideways, and I'm just kind of like, mm, I don't think it is, because I, you know, I'm, I can't tell you the last. I was fucked up. He had me convinced. I'm I know like, it could no, be. No, you were on that dick, and I was just like, "Shut no, no, sir." And I'm like, I can't tell you the last four of my social security number, but. uh if it's some esoteric fucking horror movie bullshit, I got it. And I just kind of like, I didn't want to call a dude out. I didn't have it's any. played by Robert Harper. That's right. That's what I sent him in the text. And he's just like, God damn it. He's right. So uh, I was going to say a bunch of negative, weird, bad shit. But uh, good save, Eric. He did it good for save. you. So I want to read. A the Eric is much more handsome and much more smarter than I Oh, I would fucking love yes. to fucking watch you losing a handsome off to fucking Aaron Southworth. What, dude? You're going to see his nuts this Friday, so whatever, dude. <laughs> I know you. It's not even going to be a punishment. He's a fucking oh. specimen, that fucking Adonis. He's a my Cadillac God. of men. My silver fox. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to read the... I love... because This is, uh, this is like an, a Google line. So Google leaves the text scripts yes! of the voicemails, and they do a <sighs> fucking wonderfully terrible job of, of transcribing it. So I'm going to read this verbatim, what Google left me on my phone before I could hear it. Okay. And it starts out pretty standard, so I'm just going to go through it, no interruptions. So I owe Nachos McLaren Wolf an apology. He was right. I was wrong. He's smart. I am stupid. He's attractive. I am not good looking. I was wrong that Paul Giamatti is not in Creepshow Month. <laughs> Featuring the crate and fluffy, I was wrong, but you got it sure look at home. I have to tip my cap. Suda shows like werewolf. I played in to see that they're out. I came out in the wash <laughs> that it was not policy body. I can see victory. You're not goes up, guys. By the way, this is Aaron Southwest from Horrible Horror Podcast. Check us out, Dukes of Spook. Keep it up, guys. You got a great. I really like that Southwest. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's the new thing. I don't know. <laughs> So I'm like fucking half asleep last night and like this came through my phone. I'm like, what? What is this? Oh my God. I can't wait to listen to this tomorrow. Oh shit. That's fucking fantastic. Uh, so 
Before we uh, end out the night, I want to obviously tell everybody to check out the um, Horrible Horror Hotline. They're, yes, they're amazing guys. Yes. So they're not always right at trivia, but they'll <laughs> own up to it, goddammit, and you gotta respect that. So definitely check them out. Okay. So you can you can find them on wherever fucking they have. They're like podcast. our little sister podcast, you know. Uh you call they also have a hotline. Oh yes, they do. 704-478-2548 or 740-4SUCKIT. And we also want to thank our cool Brewster uh, Patreon members, um, Matt Huey, John Zinken, and Ben Welly. Thank you so much for fucking uh, being such cool Brewsters. We really appreciate it. Uh, you can obviously join us on the Patreon to donate to the podcast. It helps us afford the things like the Roadcaster. We originally just uh, purchased some new equipment, uh, which would cost a pretty penny. Not not to your concern. However, we just want to bring you top quality products. And so also, it might uh, bring me into speech therapy to where I can enunciate and pronunciate certain words. Yeah. Well, we just want to pay for a keyboard that has all the letters on it. Oh. Yeah. Yours. I the one I gave you only has twenty three letters. Yeah. And what if it was a cockroach? <laughs> That's concerning. <laughs> So you can also find us on Facebook uh, and Twitter. Here comes the spooky Instagram. Here comes the spooky. So check us out for there. You can find me behind the dumpster at Arby's. If you want <laughs> some uh, horsey sauce or you just want to talk some shit about some movies. Right. I'll provide my own roaches. Uh, we've got a few more episodes coming up before we do usually take our traditional summer break um, so that we can kind of, you know, sit back, reflect, retool, and also just maybe spend some time hanging out with each other where we're not <laughs> just doing the podcast because i love to break nacho's thumb and some fucking mortal Kombat. i will put you through the fucking mat william matt, you though? matt painting william. Yeah. 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 um but hey next wait, time wait, phantom mastered it yeah next time we come back we're actually gonna have aaron southwest here on the show oh as we do does, nothing but trouble does, vulcanvania does he know that <laughs> he's gonna find out when he listens tomorrow Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, love to have you, brother. So thanks for coming out tonight, Nachos. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And remember to always stay, stay spooky. Why do I do the palsy hand every time? <laughs>